uh, we, the, I'm in currently in the, my studio at the house. Uh, I have like a very, I mean, I'm constantly setting it up and tearing it down. So it functions as a lot of different things, but this is where I record my podcast. So I have, uh, you know, podcast awesome. ready things. So what is your podcast about? I had no idea you had one. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, it's funny. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't the one that started it. I just kind of jumped in, but then through a weird series of events ended up, um, being the producer of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of, there's three of us, three hosts, um, but it's called beer in a movie. We talk about movies mostly, uh, but we drink a beer with them when I, we, we try to come up with like clever pairings for things, you know, yeah. uh, like, um, we when we talked about the joker back in i guess that was october of last year we uh paired it with uh i think it was a beer called velvet tuxedo or something like that you know i don't know we try to (laughs) find little things so but yeah uh i loved that movie what what were your thoughts about that movie i did not care for it (laughs) really oh yeah yeah i only saw it the once i i don't know i just i mean it was certainly polarizing but it was yeah i i I don't know i just I just felt like it was a missed opportunity because of how good Joaquin was in it. Yeah. He was incredible in it. He was, yeah, he was amazing. And I just, I felt like Todd Phillips was being pulled by himself. I don't think any external factors contributed to it in a lot of different directions. And so I would have liked to have seen a slightly more coherent narrative mm. to it, you know, cause he was, I don't know. It's tricky to pull off the, um, the like what's real, what isn't. What's yeah, ex- exactly, head. exactly. Yeah. And I feel like he kind of just missed the mark on it. But like, I did really love Joaquin. I yeah. loved the score. Oh yeah, I thought the cinematography was great, uh-huh. and so it had a lot of it had a lot of good things going for it. But just as a overall cohesive piece, kind of missed the mark for me a little yeah. bit. I think one of my favorite things about it was just how dark it was for being such a big blockbuster movie. Yeah, I did like, I, you know, and from the second I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, you had my curiosity now you have my <laughs> yeah. attention, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I was definitely always, uh, always going to see it and was very interested in what it was going to do, but yeah. But I, also, I mean, I, I have not liked any of the Ari Aster films Oh really? Uh, for the same reason, mm. uh, yeah. I just feel like in her, both Hereditary and Midsummer, the third act lets me down. Mm. But the reason I have such a strong negative reaction to it is because it is has so much going for it. Yeah, it's like it's so good for so long, and then at the very end, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, but or not even just not even like no, but just like oh, that that wasn't what I was hoping for. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, both of those movies, I don't get out and watch many movies. It's, it's hard for me to, to get like interested enough to go see something. And I don't find myself having enough time to just like sit down and watch things, even things that I know I should watch. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm just really easy when it comes to movies. And if I'm watching one, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. Um, but both of those movies also, I thought were pretty great. Um, I don't also don't watch many like horror films, uh, these Mm, days. I used to watch a lot when I was younger and then somewhere around, uh, somewhere around insidious. 
they started <laughs> okay. they, they started fucking with me yeah uh, to the point where i was like okay i need to like just not have this be a part of my life and then it's funny uh yeah and then uh, i think hereditary was probably the first like horror movie i saw in the theater in several years um, yeah but that movie was so intense very jarring how early uh, the yeah. person you think is the main character gets killed off. <laughs> yeah. yeah you totally. know? When that happened, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, jarring. And yeah, I mean, that's the perfect word for it because it's so abrupt. Yeah. Super Did abrupt. See it coming. Yeah. Um, so are we doing the Mark Marin thing where we're already recording? We are. We're rolling. We're I 12 minutes in here. <laughs> I knew it. Well, when I saw that you had a microphone, I was like, oh, we don't have to talk technical specs before we get rolling so yeah off to the races i listened to uh your episode with phil oh cool uh, and i i heard joe bolt talk about baron and so i i had the uh-huh. sneaking suspicion he's great that we would just go we would just be we'd just be in it already the reason i got into listening to podcasts was when Marin uh interviewed obama yeah that was like the thing that caught my attention i was like oh this is interesting and i started listening and I think after that, I like went through his catalog and listened to, I don't know, probably hundreds of them. But yeah, I also did that. I went yeah pr- pretty far back and uh-huh. just started blowing through all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, especially when you go back into his catalog in, in particular, he's so neurotic and crazy that you're just like, oh, this uh, this medium can really be anything you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, it's cool. Uh, I think before that, I'd only listen to like NPR podcasts and yeah, and those the, are very structured. They're and, barely podcasts; they're just radio. Yeah, they're very yeah. produced and mm-hmm. uh, you know scripted. And yeah, which is great. I yeah, mean, another it has one, its place. Yeah, another one that got me into podcasts as an art form was uh, Serial. I think yeah. that, that kind of introduced a lot of people to to uh, like at least episodic podcasts. Yeah, I tried to come in to that one on season two oh, after, I never, everyone, I never after everyone raved so much about the first one mm-hmm. and it was not as appealing as I was expecting it to be based on people's reactions to the first season. Yeah, And so I kind of fell off it, but NPR had a podcast. I don't think they've done anything in a while called Invisibilia. Mm-hmm. I've listened to a few of those. I really liked that one. That's so that cool. was that was probably the first one I listened to that was like really produced and really like you know, structured and not just conversational kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, a WTF or yeah. uh, uh, like Smodcast, the Kevin Smith podcast. That, that was kind of where I got into it was Kevin Smith stuff. Oh, really? He does a lot. Uh, and yeah, his are very <clears throat> conversational as well. Mm-hmm. A shit ton. I've stopped keeping <laughs> up because it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, He's got like five shows or something. Yeah. And they, you know, consistent every week yeah. there's an episode of all of them <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's uh i guess modcast is less consistent than it used to be i think um but yeah that was that was kind of my intro that and that and Marin probably happened close to the same time i guess yeah. yeah i always say like i don't even i don't like telling people the podcasts that i listen to because i feel like it's the most personal art form yeah like I don't know. It's weird. It's like you're taking a peek into what I'm consuming in my headphones. Yeah. Like it's even more personal to me than music, I think. Interesting. Music you at least listen to with people. Yeah. Podcasts, it's like completely 
uh, yeah, individual. yeah, it's all, almost exclusively by yourself. Yeah, I get uncomfortable listening to podcasts with other people. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really do that. I, I get, I don't know if I get uncomfortable, but I get insecure. Yeah, like, um, you know, sometimes if we're like going to Austin to visit Kylie's sister or something like that, uh, sometimes we'll put a podcast on, and typically it's something like My Favorite Murder because we both listen to that. Yeah. Um, I've kind of fallen off and listening to it on a regular basis, but it's something easy that we both like that we right. can go to and put on. Um, but there have been times where I don't know, either I was listening to something already and it just started playing or maybe Kylie fell asleep or something, but I'll be listening to like a podcast that I normally listen to. Yeah. And she, after, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so she'll go, I don't think I want to listen to this. At all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think that I, I care about this. And I'm just yeah. like, Oh, okay. I've been there. And then you're yeah. just like, Oh, Oh, I guess people don't like what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird sometimes, but it's, uh, I, it's actually funny. Um, when sword collector was, um, shooting the video for inherit the scepter, uh, Ryan and I drove out to Lake Corpus Christi, uh, just me and him because Kyle was already out there mm-hmm. and uh, we were, it was so funny. Like Ryan put on this, this podcast that he listens to and it's literally just like dads talking about guitars and like gear <laughs> and stuff. And wow. that was very interesting. Cause that was probably the farthest away from what I normally listen to yeah. that I had ever experienced or that anyone <laughs> had ever like showed me before. Right. And it, I mean, they had a whole segment like, you know, best guitars under $200 or something like that, you know, and that's this kind of stuff I usually relegate to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But, uh, I, I know it makes sense for Ryan that he listens to that. Cause he does. I mean, he's always like, I don't know, in the rafters somewhere running cable at like an Amazon warehouse or something. And so uh-huh. and he does that for like 10 or 12 hours a day, a lot of the time. So I'm sure his, uh, it's easy to, for him to just have that stuff on the background rather than like trying to carve out some free time to watch YouTube videos. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, give me like the elevator pitch of uh, who you are and what you do just for people who are not familiar. Um, I don't know. I'm just like a normal <laughs> dude in his late twenties, I guess. Uh, Same. But I, yeah, I own a record store in South Texas. Um, I more or less operate it by myself. Uh, I have one employee who works like one day a week. Mm. Um and other than that, which consumes like anywhere between 40 to 60 hours in my week, uh, I'm a musician. I make mostly like electronic slash hip hop instrumental music. Uh, I have scored a few short films, um, but with COVID and people not making them as uh, with as much regularity as they did at one time, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, I do a podcast called Beer in a Movie with one of my former college professors. I didn't and, realize that. Yeah. And, a, and a, another friend of ours and uh, I have a dog and a cat. Beautiful. Most important thing. He saved it for the end. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the cat is Kylie's. Uh, she, she had the cat before we started dating and before we got married, but the dog we adopted together. Nice. So do they get along? Uh, you know, it's funny. They, uh, they did 
Um, and they do less now. We've had the dog <laughs> for like two and a half years. Um, and they were really chummy for a long time. And only recently, I th- and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, like how many consecutive months Kylie was working from home. Yeah, I was going to ask if that's why. Yeah, and so she was home with him all the time for a long time. And then we both went back to work. And I think that he has gotten a little jealous because mm-hmm. really the only time they don't get along as if we're like all sitting on the couch or something and the cat comes over and is getting attention, then <laughs> Dilly, the dog will start uh, like kind of showing his teeth and starting to growl a little bit. And on occasion he's like barked. Um, yeah. Usually it's just a little teeth and some light growling, but when they're home alone together, they're, they're fine. Like we'll come home and they'll both be like napping on the couch together, you know? Yeah. So it's only when we're when our when our attention is involved, right? That he, they don't get along. So that's been an getting, interesting development. When one's getting preferential treatment, yes, exactly, makes sense. Uh, so yeah, Hybrid Records, <clears throat> record store in Corpus Christi. Yeah, um, it's crazy. I mean, growing up there, there was never really a place for everyone to go. I feel yeah. like every time I was hanging out with people, we were just like getting food or we were at someone's house at Jamba juice at Jamba juice, (laughs) uh, wherever we all worked. Yeah. Um, It's really cool that you've made somewhere that, you know, you can build a community around in a small town. Yeah. It's, um, it's cool. It's, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like I have a lot of friends that I made at the shop. Yeah. Uh, just because they would come in and loiter or whatever, um, mm-hmm. or they would just come in regularly enough that eventually we just got kind of, kind of friendly and then they would come and loiter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, whenever I set out to do it, um, it was a lot of, um, like whenever I first started buying records, I was, you know, super particular and was just like only looking for punk records, you know? And so uh, the record shop that did exist in town didn't have a punk section. It was just like scattered into the rock stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, there would be like 12 rows of just like generic rock records. And, you know, hopefully you found like a no effects record or Mm -hmm. like a black flag record or something like that. Um one time I found two strike anywhere records and was like over the moon about it. <laughs> I was like freaking out. I found change of sound and exit English, like at the same time. Uh-huh. And, uh, but yeah. So and, and uh, often you know, they were probably just sold to them by someone you already knew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when, uh, like when Posse Danny sold all his, all his seven inches and there was a period of time where there was just like all these straight edge seven inches <laughs> filling up their 45 section. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, whenever I opened it, I was like, well, I never had a place like as a kid that was into punk music that, you know, to go buy records. Like we were buying, like I was buying more records from Hot Topic at a certain point than I was from like an actual record store, which is fucked up. <laughs> That's hilarious. At it now. But the, I mean, I don't know. They had the stuff that we wanted, you know, they yeah. had like Pity right. Sex Records, which I know is like not really punk. It's more like shoegazy, but it was like fit into that scene that we were in at the time. Yeah. You know, you could find like, 
I don't know. I can't even remember. Yeah, now. I, I do remember buying a couple there actually. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Once Blink One Eighty Two started reissuing stuff, like they had those. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have like r- a random quicksand record every now and then, like just random shit, and uh, that you couldn't find anywhere else. So you know that was what I wanted to do. Was like, okay, what was what were all the things that I wanted when I was like going to record stores as like a kid in his late teens early 20s um which i guess i technically was still in my early 20s at the time when we opened but um so you know we tried to have a decent punk section and i was also getting really into soundtrack collecting at the time so i kind of wanted to make that a little bit of a focus as well Hmm. and then you know we introduced this idea of having a couch in the store so they could people could feel comfortable hanging out and stuff and um you know that's just kind of how it started i guess it maybe evolved the way that it did because you could always count on me being there because i was like the only person (laughs) that worked there so like everyone always knew who they were going to see when they walked in yeah that's it wasn't like a revolving cast of people so um it makes it feel like a real thing that's you know more of a passion thing than just some place that popped up yeah uh, which, I mean, you know, you see those places that just pop up. There's lots of venture capitalists out there trying to mm-hmm. cash in, obviously, in more major metropolitan areas than in our little town. But not that our town is like that little. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was always what we wanted to do and have shows and stuff like that. Um, you know, try to bring if somebody if some band was touring and they had a McAllen date and a San Antonio date and needed a place to play last yeah. minute we would just be like all right it's a small store but <laughs> you can make it work you know how long has it been open now five years we just passed uh five years wow. on friday that's crazy man yeah so five, five days years. ago was our five-year anniversary oh wow. from when we're recording this congrats it's weird yeah it's weird yeah i've never done anything this long before yeah i know uh, what you mean yeah i've never had a job this long even college, I was in for four and a half years. <laughs> uh, the current relationship I'm in with my wife is the longest like romantic relationship I've ever been in. We've been together three years. Uh, so literally owning yeah. a store and having this job is the longest I've ever done anything. Wow. That's so cool. Well, uh, I'm glad that you stuck with it. That's, it's very cool. It's, I mean, when I think of cool things that are going on in Corpus, that's, that's one of them for sure. I appreciate that. Uh, how has it changed like in five years? I mean, it's changed a lot. I think, um, we've gotten bigger. Um, uh, uh, so like, you know, we were talking about like a place for people to come hang out and like a community or whatever. And part of that community is like this group of, I don't know, I guess most of them are like, I don't know, 23 or so now, but this like group of kids that started hanging out at the shop because they would come in and buy soundtracks and they're all like filmmaker kind of, kind of dudes or people. Uh, And um, one of them, uh, he's like in college still and is in an advanced documentary class and decided he wanted to use the store as a subject for like his, his projects for school. So he made this documentary about the shop. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. And, uh, and it turned out really well, actually, like we can talk more about that in a second, if you want, uh, just, I'm sure you, as someone who has 
like been in bands and things like that have feelings about like hearing your voice or like on a recording or like seeing like videos of yourself or pictures of yourself. But, uh, but he had um, contacted the caller times to see, cause they, they had done it. They've done it like one or two stories about us or whatever. And I, I think to see if they had any like archive, like photos of us or mm-hmm. of the store that he could use in his documentary. And they had one uh, like set of photos they sent him from December, 2015. And he sent them to me and it's so weird. Like we had literally three small uh, like record bins mm-hmm. that, jordan perry had built for me uh and the entire like basically when you walked in there was the front half of the store had stuff in it and the entire back half was empty Hmm. it was just like blank white walls you just didn't have inventory yet i just didn't have stuff to fill it you know yeah and now i have too much shit like i had like a like mild panic attack today of how cluttered it was, you know? And I was just like, I feel trapped in here. And I was like freaking (laughs) out, you know? Uh, So that has definitely changed. Um, We have slightly less focus on the punk section than we did before because Galactic opened up and uh, that place is owned by Danny from like Drastic Actions and like some of those older punk bands. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's also a head shop. Um, so the majority of their, uh, income or I should say revenue, I'm pretty sure doesn't come from their records. Um, Mm. so they can be a little more specific about what they carry. Gotcha. And so when they opened, you know, they started carrying a bunch of like hardcore, like New York hardcore and like, you know, that kind of like tough guy stuff that, you know, people like, uh, and so when that happened, I was like, you know, I'm not going to like go to war over this or whatever, like try to like (laughs) battle them over like who has the best punk section. So I kind of let them, you know, let them be the ones that focused on that and kind of put it on the back. You know, I'll still carry like Menzinger's records and like Lawrence arms and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. But, you know, for the most part, if people come in and they're looking for like black flag descendants, minor threat, like stuff like that, I'll, you know, I'll send them over there. Um, and you know, so we've, so we've started to kind of focus on different things. That's definitely a big way it's changed. Um, more like I try to, you know, dig up like rare collectible stuff when I can, Mm. um, you know, lots of used inventory. Um, and I mean, I guess that's, that's probably the biggest thing that's changed other than that. I mean, we've still kind of kept the same vibe and ethos to yeah. everything, you know? Um, I imagine it'd be hard to walk the line between like, am I going to carry this just because it's popular versus do I want to carry this because I don't like it? You know, that, mm-hmm. that kind of line. Uh, oh yes. It is tough. Uh, especially um, I've actually been, it's funny that you say that cause I've been experiencing a lot of this lately um people have been coming in and uh they'll be like hey do you have like any like ariana grande or Mm. like they'll start naming people i don't really care for and i'll just have to be like oh you know like uh, (laughs) or or sometimes like i do carry stuff that i don't care for uh because i know people like it and enough people ask and like yeah i'll get it um and someone will come and be like, oh man, I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you had this. This is so sick. Like this record rips, right? And I'll just be like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, you, know, you know, I, 
record store clerks already have such a bad rap you know of like right. being snobby and shit yeah the most pretentious people ever <laughs> yeah so like you know i i'll never if somebody like it it excites me that people get excited about stuff you know mm-hmm. uh so even if it's not something i particularly care for like i am still stoked that you're stoked at the end of the day yeah and so i definitely don't want to like belittle that uh now that being said if somebody directly asked for my opinion about something, like I'm not going to lie to you, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, there's a certain charm in that as well. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, but I'm also not going to give it up unprovoked, you know, like I'm not just going to be like, Oh, you like Taylor Swift, fuck Taylor Swift, you know, <laughs> even though I do feel that way, <laughs> uh, but you know, so I, it, it, you know, it, it really depends on, on, you know what it is, but I, you know, I do stock stuff that I don't like um, mm-hmm. cause it's popular and people want it and people ask for it. Um, but honestly, I mean, I mean, you're in the business of selling records. <laughs> you yeah, sell yeah exactly. Like. Uh, I mean, you know, I sell a lot of like Jimmy Buffett, you know, oh, huh. I sell a lot of Eagles records cause that's stuff that comes in used all yeah, the time. Right. And so like, if somebody brings me like the Eagles discography and I can mm-hmm. get them for like a couple bucks a piece and then sell them between five <laughs> to 10 a piece. Yeah. Like I'm going to do that, you know, even though I think the Eagles are the worst band on earth. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. But I also, if somebody comes up with an Eagles record, they're like, oh man, I'm so stoked. I've been looking for hotel California forever. I'm not going to be like, fuck hotel California. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. The most interesting part of that question, I think, is that because I don't like certain things or they're not things that are on my mind, I forget about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So especially right now, I've been writing stuff down that people are asking for that I don't have because oh, it's like stuff like I don't really like Pantera, uh, which is a controversial opinion in Texas. But, yeah. Um, people will come in asking for their records and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forget that like Pantera is a thing that yeah. people really like. And so, I'll, you know, I'll jot it down and be like, yeah, you should get some Pantera records. And for so sure. later when I'm ordering stuff, I can go back and remember like, okay, here are things that people like that you don't like that you should uh-huh. remember and like, get for them, you know? <laughs> Business 101. Well, yeah, you know. Um, how, how has this year been for you guys during COVID? Um, it has been crazy. Um, that, you know, that's, that's a big part of what that documentary is about that, uh, Mm. I mentioned earlier. Um, so this year at the, so at the end of last year, um, there's uh, a guy I know, he's a friend of mine, uh, his name's Pete and, uh, he is, uh, he's like a retired dude. He's in his 60s. I don't know if early 60s, late 60s, but he's somewhere in there. And he used to be a record dealer. He would, um, uh, you know, set up at record shows and stuff like before the internet. And then, um, you know, was still selling on eBay and stuff. But he was a guy that um, I knew had a bunch of stuff. And if ever, you know, I had had collections come in or I just wanted to really like get some stuff to like flex on like a record store day or something. Mm-hmm. I could call him and be like, Hey, I like, I'm, I'm, I like to come, come dig around and see if I can, if I can buy some stuff. And, you know, he, he gave me a decent deal, but um, you know, nothing crazy like finding something at a Goodwill or whatever, but I would go and buy stuff from him and he hit me up. Um, 
I don't know, like September or October maybe of 2019. And he was just like, Hey, uh, my wife says she's finally going to retire and we'll probably be doing a lot of traveling and, you know, we might even move or downsize. Um, so I'm getting rid of everything. Oh, wow. And, uh, I want to give you the first right of refusal, um, on my collection. And I was like, Oh shit. Uh, and you know, we talked about it a little bit and I was like, I was like, you know, I don't have enough money to do this. Yeah. To to give you what it's worth to buy it. And he was like, he was like, I know, I know, but like, you know, we could, I'd be willing to do like some kind of payment plan or like something like that. If you, if you really want it and you want to like make that step. And so we talked about it on and off for a couple months and then probably in December of last year, you know, we agreed on everything and I was like, all right, let's do it. And we set the date for March 1st that I was going to go over with a check for a down payment and a (laughs) U-Haul and we were going to load all the shit out of his house. And, uh, I, I had to get a storage unit and everything. What kind of volume are you talking? Uh, like 10 or 12,000 records. Jesus Christ. Yeah. uh, Something like that. Like 10 or 12,000 records, several hundred magazines, like old Rolling Stone magazines and (laughs) stuff like that. That is an insane collection. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't know, 50 or 60 movie posters, like the kind you see outside the theater, a pinball machine. Oh my God. uh, Just like all this shit. Right. And uh, (laughs) so, I I mean, see why his wife was fed up. Oh yeah. When I, she came, she, when we were there loading stuff up, she kept coming downstairs and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. And she was like so excited. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean like the idea behind, uh, doing that was that it was just going to like really take us to the next level. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we were never going to be wanting for records. We were never, uh, gonna not have like good stuff to put out like we're it was the idea was that we would be the destination at that point you know what i mean yeah uh like like south like south of san antonio oh yeah yeah uh yeah we'd be like the the destination like south of san antonio you know yeah i mean i guess you'll get to this but isn't that like more than you can hold in your space oh 100 percent yeah uh which is kind of the nice thing about it is that like you know if i need to like inject some new inventory into the bins just go to the storage unit grab 100 records and just be like yo a bunch of new stuff came in (laughs) yeah um yeah so that was yeah that was supposed to take us really take us up a notch um and then within two weeks we were closed and everybody was like stuck at home and it it was like, oh fuck, and so at that point, you know, I I owe this guy money, you know, yeah. <laughs> like right, uh, and my store is closed, and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> and then you have an extra storage unit, <laughs> yeah, and I have a storage unit bill which I didn't have before, um, <laughs> so you know that was kind of that was that was scary, uh, and I, so I I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm working from home. I guess we're going to try to sell on Instagram. Yeah. So I mean, like all from the, home, whatever that means when you like own a retail store. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I guess we're going to try to sell on Instagram to all the locals and we'll, you know, like I'll go deliver to your house if I need to or whatever. Um, yeah. If you don't, you know, and then, you know, obviously like eBay and Discogs and stuff like that. Um, and so that's what I started doing. 
uh, I went to storage. I grabbed a U-Haul box. I brought it home and I just started sorting through stuff. And uh, it was probably like the first or second week that we were closed. It was probably in the first week. Um, well, I guess I should preface this with when I bought the collection, I was like, okay, this is a lot of stuff. What do I do? And so I came up with this idea that we would do Fresh Friday every Friday. Um, every week I'd put out like a bunch of new records and everybody would know like Friday's the day where all the heat is coming out. Yeah. And so if you're um, looking for that like brand new ticket that you don't yeah. want to get stolen first, you got to show up on Friday. Yeah, exactly. And so, and you know, make it like a, it's like almost like an event, you know, something for people to look forward to every week and they know what the deal is. And we did that twice in person before we had to close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that first week I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in my studio and going through stuff and whatever. And I think it was on a Thursday, Kylie asked me, she was like, Oh, are you going to do fresh Friday this week? And I was like, what do you mean? We're closed. And she was like, we could do it on Instagram still. And I was like, ah, that's a lot of records to post. Like, yeah, that's, I don't want to be like just clogging people's feeds up with stuff. And she was like, no, you should do it. It's like, you know, if there was ever a time where people needed something that they could count on and something that was like, gonna happen on a regular some kind of routine you know yeah. some, some regularity it's right now it's some marker of oh seven days have gone by. yeah yeah and i was <laughs> like dang she's right uh and i was like well shit i guess i better figure something out and so you know i scrambled that day and i was like okay i've got some stuff together friday we'll start posting stuff and so we did and it went pretty it went pretty well that that first week and so i was like okay i guess we're gonna keep doing this yeah and within like a month or two I was hardly posting at all during the week. Other than that Friday. And then just Friday hitting it hard, you know? And, um, and so, um, the shorter answer is 2020 has been weird. Uh, (laughs) but it sounds like you've adapted. Well, you know, it's interesting because that huge purchase that was supposed to elevate us, didn't really do that necessarily, but it did keep us in business, it you know? sustained you. Yeah, like I had this like big pool of stuff to draw from when stuff isn't coming in through the front door at the store, which is normally how we buy collections, you know? Mm-hmm. Some lady will just call or some guy and be like, hey, you buy records? And be like, yeah, and they'll bring them in. Yeah. So without that, um, you know, we still thankfully were able to be bringing new stuff to people on a regular basis and so that you know that was how we stayed afloat and so we were closed from like i don't know like march 15th till june 1st Mm. and then we opened up on june 1st by appointment only for the first week and then people couldn't figure out what that meant or how it worked yeah and so we're like okay well we'll just be open our normal hours and just like keep the occupancy at like a low uh low number and then after two weeks is when things really hit new aces county and when our our numbers really started to spike really yeah you said that Uh, was in june yeah, that was like at the end of June is like the first big spike in Oasis County happened. Before that, it was like, 
you know, people here were like, oh, it's not real, man. Like, <laughs> like there's like, you know, like I went and bought records from a guy or I went to look at records uh, at a guy's house and I was wearing a mask and he was, he was like, oh, you don't have to wear that. And I was like, well, I want to though. Like, you know, I don't know where you've been. And he was like, well, I haven't left Nueces County. And I was like, I don't care. It doesn't like, exist is, here. Yeah, I was like, what does that mean? You know? And, yeah. and then, yeah, a week later, you know, our numbers were crazy. And uh, so even though our numbers got crazy, you know, our city government didn't do anything. The state mm-hmm. government didn't do anything. Uh, there were like no real restrictions placed on us and but you know we still felt like i'm not going to ask a bunch of people to come into the store every week and touch literally everything yeah the same thing Uh, that everyone else is touching yeah and so we closed again and so we were closed the last of last week of june all of july and august and then we opened back up in september again still with like you know gloves and masks and Mm-hmm. trying to keep the occupancy down as low as possible um, yeah so yeah it's been i don't know it's been it's been weird it's been rough um but you know still here yeah i mean that's <laughs> that's the important part is that you're making it and, through. and you know yeah i was i was worried about it um kind of at the beginning and i was like man i really don't want to have to ask this guy I just made a deal with to like give me a month off or like cut me a break or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be that guy. And thankfully I haven't had to do that. Um, but you know, we blew through that, those records a lot faster than I wanted to. Did you? You know? <laughs> I mean, there's still stuff in there, but it's like diminishing returns. We're, you know, we're <laughs> kind of getting to that point where it's like, all right, all the good stuff's the, gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of this stuff is still here cause I've left it here and taken all the other stuff out of it. So, yeah. Uh, Sounds you know, like you're going to have a big Eagle section soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> Lots of comedy records. There's a lot of comedy records huh. in there that I, uh, Jackie Gleason. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a market for that. There's a mar- yeah. There's a market for like Lenny Bruce and Red Fox and stuff uh-huh. like that. But, um, you know, some of the, kind of zany like 40s and 50s stuff not as much right uh, but where uh you mentioned earlier that you do sell some on ebay and discogs mm-hmm. like what what sort of percentage is that of your business and so i have like no business background i didn't go to school for it um so I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm not like a bit, I know it's a crazy thing to say cause I like own a business and that there's a lot of this that like goes into it, but I'm not a big numbers guy, <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> but I would say that's why you own a music store and not an accounting firm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that's why I have an accountant. <laughs> uh, even though I do still do a lot of that myself anyway, but um, man, it's like, 20% online, 30%, something like yeah. that. Um, it's pretty low. Yeah, it's definitely not the bulk. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a little bit different now, obviously. Um, mm. But before all of this, it was probably closer to like 10 or 20%. Yeah. Now we've kind of like moved up up a little bit uh, since then. Yeah, I mean, it and makes then, sense. And it's, it's also at this point a more difficult number to calculate as well because – uh 
a lot of locals are buying through our website now where mm -hmm. we didn't really sell a lot through our website before all of this. It was more of a, like a place to put pre-orders and a place to like find information about yeah. us or whatever, like our blog, but we've, you know, kind of pivoted to selling a lot through there. Yeah. So these, these locals you mentioned earlier, there's kind of a new generation of, of kids coming in. Dude, it's weird. Um, what does uh, that look like? It's, it's crazy. Cause, uh, I mean, it, it's literally like the shadow of who we were five yeah. years ago, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, like 10 it's, years ago, I guess. Yeah, really. Um, yeah. Cause I met you like 10 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, which is fucked up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, uh, they're different than we were, you know, um, they lived with the internet a lot longer than we did mm. uh, at, by that age. And, but uh, they're, you know, they're at least the people that hang around my shop or whatever are pretty similar to us. I mean, you have a lot of like, you know, we were putting all of our effort into like being in bands and playing shows and mm -hmm. uh, you did more, a little more touring than I did, but you know, some of that kind of stuff as well. And um you know, a lot of these dudes are um, making films, you know, like making short films or um, lots of photographers and stuff. Um, yeah. There's a girl uh, who I met through the shop who started a literary magazine. Oh, wow. Um, that we sold in the shop um, called Olas. O-L-A-S. Um, and it's like it's like her and three or four other people um, that kind of like help curate it and put it all together. Uh, so there's that, um, you know, just people that people that are just a lot of people that are just making stuff like all these, all these younger people are kind of figuring out like what they want to do and what their, uh, what their lane is and just like, you know, diving in head first and That's figuring so cool. it out. So um you know yeah that's they're not as punk as we were i guess they are <laughs> i guess they are to a certain degree just yeah. in a different way than uh -huh. we were the, uh, the diy ethos lives on the diy ethos lives on they're they're less angry than we are i guess okay that makes sense or or at least maybe they're more optimistic maybe that's <laughs> what it is i don't know how you could be <laughs> it's difficult but i you know and also i mean we when we were doing all this stuff, we existed in at least a slightly more stable, like yeah. socio-political climate, you know, like, right. you know, sure. Obama's a war criminal and like all these things that people say, but like he wasn't yeah. in the news every day saying blasphemous things. And like, we you weren't know, on the brink of collapse. Yeah. Uh, things were fairly comfortable. Uh, and so now I think a lot of these kids um, are like, kind of um it's almost sisyphean you know where they're like they know that it's they're they realize they're rolling a rock up a hill only to have to do it again but they still are like well you know the, rolling this rock up the hill is what i can do to hopefully carve out some kind of like positivity in an otherwise like shit storm of a world mm. uh so that's what i'm gonna do like i'm gonna try to like salvage something out of this mess that has been handed to us yeah uh so yeah. there's and a I lot mean, of that in my mind 
the you know creativity exploring creativity finding a passion that sort of thing is more more of an impulsive action than you know trying to understand what the world is in and try and make a difference you know actively it's more of just like this is what i have to do to survive kind of thing yeah um so i mean it's it's good to know that there is a creative community of of younger people down there yeah there is it's um it's pretty cool um and i you know i think it's almost in a strange way thriving because of covid um, mostly because there are some people that had moved away uh, that came back, mm-hmm. um, you know, during the shutdown and everything who now are, you know, bringing their creativity and their um, work ethic back to Corpus, which is cool. Um, and, and also there are a lot of people um, there's, there's also a growing like, you know, faction of these types of people who, you know, whether it's true or not, or maybe like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not an artistic person, but I can, but there are things that I can do to promote all these other artistic people. Mm, so that, yeah, that's so important that, too. Yeah. So that they don't have to worry as much about getting their stuff out into the world and can just focus on making the stuff. And so there are, (laughs) I feel like in the last like six months, there are like three or four different, like either like businesses or Instagram accounts or whatever that are just like, we're here to like show everybody how cool all these people are that exist here. Um, (laughs) That's extremely important. If you, if you heard my last podcast is with my friend Leonard uh, we're both furniture designers and the whole podcast was just us like being salty. Just like this <laughs> sucks, man. We can't make any money. <laughs> we work yeah. so hard and no one wants anything. It was just like a constant complaint fest. But yeah, those people are very important. You know, people yeah. spotlight creatives and creators. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And they're, you know, there have been, there are some people that have popped up here recently that are like putting in like a lot of work to do that. Like, that's cool which is crazy um and you know super nice like they're just like i'm not as worried about getting attention myself i want to try to create a platform for all these other people to sell their stuff and make money you know yeah that's pretty selfless yeah so it's that's cool as well um Uh, i mean corpus has it's such a good blank slate like i feel like there's so much possibility there. Um, when you look downtown, there's all these, you know, beautiful old buildings that are just empty and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything's within walking distance and it is, you know, it's like, it's decrepit, but it's pretty Yeah, you're right by the water. And it's like, man, this could be so fucking cool. It just needs the right people to come in and, you know, opportunity, I guess. Yeah. I mean, not to sound like every other person that has ever come out of corpus, but like part of them is like the old money that exists here, you know, uh, yeah, especially now, I think, uh, you know, especially politically people are like, Oh, once the boomers die off, then like the progressives will be the majority, you know, whatever. There is something similar. Some, there's some analogy to be drawn there towards corpus because I tried to move my business downtown a couple of years back. Did you? Yeah, because I was, I was trying to kind of 
I guess, expanded in a certain sense. Um, I wanted uh, to kind of take it in a different direction that didn't end up panning out, which maybe someday I could still like execute this idea. But every person I met with that owned property down there has always owned that property <laughs> and they're only going to give it to their friends or to like, once they come up with it, people are just sitting on shit down there, you know, Weird. it's crazy just waiting for developers. I, I, do you remember that herbs downtown? Mm, vaguely. It was like a burger place, right? It was right next to access tattoo. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's, it's a fucking cool spot. Like the, like just guts of it or whatever. I went and look, I, I set up an appointment to go look at that place because uh, it's got like everything in a downtown kind of spot you would want. Like it's got those kind of old like windows with the wooden kind of frames and like a little awning that goes over it. And like the wall is brick and stuff. And uh, yeah. it's shaped very similarly to where I am now. It's like narrow and kind of deep. Mm-hmm. So I set up an appointment to go look <laughs> at it like an hour before my appointment the real estate person called and was like, uh, the people decided they're not interested in leasing it. Oh, and weird. then Dr. Rocket started using it as storage like a week later. <laughs> like there's <laughs> so many, so many buildings down there that are literally being used for storage. Yeah. Like these old deco buildings that yeah. have great potential. Yeah. But whoever owns them is just like, no, nah, just going to put random shit in it. Weird. It's so weird. Especially when it's like, Someone's going to give you money, dude. Like, Yeah. And like, if they do well, they'll stay and you'll have a stream of income for a long time. A long time. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's called mailbox money. Yeah. You just get a check in the mail every month. It's <laughs> easy money. Have it full of boxes and rats. Yeah. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. Hopefully that changes. I, like I said, there's great potential down there. Yeah. I hope so. There are like some younger people that are buying spaces there. That's cool. Um, what we need is like some of these the people who are evacuating LA right now because it's crazy uh, a lot of them have tons of dough and they just need to move <laughs> to Corpus and buy a couple buildings didn't uh, didn't y'all just get another stay at home order like yesterday we did uh, this week yeah um, yeah I don't know I don't know what it's going to look like because you know we had very uh, stringent lockdowns in the beginning yeah. and then it kind of just slowly elevated into normalcy mm-hmm. and now i mean it really has been pretty relaxed recently to the point I, I mean it's mostly unspoken too it's not like anything changed it's just people got more you know used to it and started kind of easing back into normal life mm-hmm. and i think that's why they had to say like hey we really need to do something because i mean it makes sense we did spike like crazy last month yeah um like almost identical to the first spike when it first hit yeah (laughs) which is just like holy shit we're literally back to square one yeah um so yeah i I did see that this week they're going back to like only essential businesses but it's going to be hard to convince people to change again yeah yeah kylie listens to up first uh every morning and it was i think it was yesterday they were talking about specifically los angeles Mm -hmm. and the potential for another stay-at-home order like strict lockdown and the pushback that like businesses have been giving of like hey we can't like do anything 
you can't know. blame them. It's like, well, yeah, especially with no government assistance, you know? Yeah. That's the biggest part is if like, uh-huh. if like rent was canceled or something, right. Or there was some kind of yeah aid being given, then I'm sure everybody would be down to stay at home. You uh-huh. know? I would be. I mean, it just doesn't, there's no right answer, obviously, yeah. but there's also no solution. If you say you ran your record store in LA, your rent's going to be like, you know, 5,500 bucks a month. Yeah. Maybe six bad. grand a month for a small spot. Yeah. And then you have to close down for six months. Like you can, if you're so doing, money. if you're doing really well, you can have like two months of fallback money, but you can't have yeah. a year. Yeah. Like no one can do that. And it just, you know, what are they going to do? Cause right now they've been, getting by there really hasn't been a ton of places that close down even like small mom and pop places they, they seem to be doing pretty well because most of the places here in la like have a huge web presence they're like well known mm-hmm. they have a big instagram following so they've managed to like do the online thing but it's like how long is that gonna last and are, are they just gonna have to completely change their entire business model to not have a physical location anymore or what because yeah. i've definitely thought about it <laughs> yeah yeah but it's just so appealing to like like we like we talked about earlier it's just having this like new community of people and it's inspiring and you know it's something to look forward to it's just like you know it's it doesn't feel the same just to be online yeah it's definitely like way less personal and honestly you know i there's a lot of like what are now some of my favorite bands that like customers came in and were like, yo, you need to listen to this, you know? Yeah. Like, that's cool too. I, yeah. I didn't like one in particular is this guy, Doug Som. I don't know if you ever heard of him before. Uh, no, he, he was, he was in this band called the Sir Douglas Quintet. I don't know if it's your speed necessarily. I don't know what kind of music you're listening to currently. Um, but you know, he was like, if my uh, Spotify thing is any, uh, indication, my one through four were all Phoebe Bridgers songs. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew Phoebe Bridgers album's fucking good. It's incredible. Uh, But yeah, you know, he was this guy from San Antonio and he was like a kind of like Tex-Mex rocker guy in the 60, late sixties through seventies. And I had no idea who he was. I had just like stumbled upon a record of his, um, in some collection I bought. And when I looked it up, I was like, Oh, this is a $40 record. Crazy. And so I put it on the wall <laughs> and, uh, one of my kind of, kind of regular guys came in and saw it and he was like, Oh dang, that's crazy. You have that. And I yeah. was like, I was like, is it like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> you just and, stumbled upon it. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's Doug Som. Like, and this is one of his records from when he like left the majors and was on like smaller indie labels or like, you know, what we would consider now indie labels is yeah. probably called something else back then. Uh, and I just like got this like history lesson from this guy about Doug Som. And actually the only Doug Som records I own, he has given to me, but, oh, cool. um, but the guy's fucking good. Like it's like just all of this, like all of these influences of like Texas music and Americana, like wrapped into like soul and like rock and roll kind of things. That sounds awesome um yeah he he's like super dope and i think that there should be a statue of him in san antonio and there's not (laughs) um but stuff like that just from like running an online shop i probably you know 
I'd never know about that. You know, yeah. Unless, unless I just, I don't know, something came over me and I was like, I'm going to put this random record on, which mm. does happen from time to time. But if you're trying to go through a thousand records that you just bought, you yeah, know, or 12,000. Or 12,000, you're just like blowing through them as fast as you can yeah. to try to make whatever money back <laughs> you spent on them, you know? Uh, so there's less time for curiosity when you're like, you know, trying to make money back from buying a collection. But I mean, there's, in my head at least, there's a very like idyllic scenario of just like, I own a record store, I go to work and I just hang out with people and listen to records and like, you know, it's, it's almost like that show. What is that show? Uh, High Fidelity? Yeah. It's similar. I mean, actually, there are a lot. Ex- that doesn't exist if you just have like an online shop. Oh, of course not. You know? I I had a really weird like out of body experience watching that show. Because mm-hmm. um, there is, and it's it's a scene that it like directly mimics the movie. Um, <laughs> but w- but like with an updated yeah. like artist or whatever. But there's I a scene. I never saw where- the movie. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, Vice had published an article about it uh, this, uh, with the headline of something to the effect of like high fidelity created a hero for sociopathic white men of a generation or something like that, uh, which I took some offense to <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it, it, that headline implies that we, the viewer don't understand that John Cusack's character is an awful person. Uh, which I think is pretty easy to pick up on. He's like kind of an asshole, uh, yeah. very s- narcissistic. But but anyhow, there's a scene where um, Zoe Kravitz is in you know the shop, and it's like a day that's like really busy. There's a bunch of people in there, and she looks over at her coworker and says, uh, "I will now sell five copies of Love Loss and Auto Tune by Swamp Dog," and she puts it on and she puts the record on and it starts on the second track, which I won't like take points away from. It's whatever. It's like a good track. Uh, (laughs) But, and then, and then everyone's hearing it. They're like, Oh, this is really good. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I had such a weird uh, building an audience. Yeah. I had such a weird like moment when I saw that, because that was a, that's a record that I was like preaching in my store, you know, before that show came out for like a year weird i would like have it and i would put it on every now and then and people would be like oh what is this or like or if i was just talking about records i was listening to i'd be like oh i've been listening to this guy swamp dog and they're like oh who's <laughs> he and i'm like well he's like 76 and he made this record where almost like or like more than half of his vocals are like auto-tuned like crazy mm-hmm. but it's like over almost classic soul beats and like instrumentals and stuff and like it's just like this wild album and like the hype sticker says swamp dog is a national treasure in quotes. And then swamp dog is the person who said it. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. And so, I mean, yeah, there's like, you know, there is a whole like culture and environment of being in a record store that, yeah, you definitely don't get online and you definitely don't get to have those kinds of conversations with people. And it's a, definitely a lot better in person than it is just online yeah unless you really don't like people and you're just like you know mm-hmm. which sometimes i do feel that way i'm just like i don't want to fucking deal with anybody today i wish i was just like isolated and by myself and i did yeah. have a really good time the first like month and a half of being like at home working it was like very relaxing and stress-free um because you know sometimes you get people that come in 
it's just, I don't know. It's like anything dealing with the general public. Like somebody can just come in off the street and start talking at you. Yeah. And like, you can't do anything about it. Like some guy came in the other day and was talking to me about, you know, he said, and I quote, yeah, my brother taught me how to listen to the blues. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> but I also wasn't really that interested in having that conversation either. And so yeah. I was just like, and, but he was just talking at me. It's about not stuff. like you were already intrigued and he said that. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, this and, oh yeah, I had these records when I was young and whatever, you know, whatever. And you kind of just have to sit and listen to people say random shit to you. Uh, yeah, it's not like you can leave. Yeah, I can't leave. I'm the only one there, you know? Yeah. And man, I, I mean, I have some crazy stories about random people coming in and doing random stuff, like saying random shit or like, like I had a guy there. I haven't seen him in a while actually, but he used to come in like once a month or so. And he's just like this old kind of drunk. He's always drunk. Like he just comes in and uh, he'll start talking to me and he'll be like, Hey, Carlitos, what's up, man? <laughs> and uh, he's like this really short Hispanic guy. He's always wearing a fedora and he's like, oh my God. I don't know. He's kind of a misogynist, but uh, when <laughs> it's just cool. me, when it's just me in there, like, you know, he never says anything crazy offensive or anything. He just like talks at me about stuff. Um, and one time he came in and, you know, he had this like case with him or whatever and normally he would have something like a grocery bag or whatever. He'd be like waiting for the bus or something. Yeah. And one day he came in and he had this case with him and he started talking to me about like, he's like, yeah, man, like, you know, have you ever been to this open mic over here at this place? Like, Oh yeah, I'll go over there and jam sometimes. And he pulled out his trumpet and he just started what? playing trumpet in the middle of the store. What the It's hell? like five 30 in the afternoon. And he's just like <laughs> tooting away on his trumpet. And like, what, what can I do? Like, yeah. what am I going to say to this guy? Like, Hey Rudy, stop playing your trumpet in my store. You know? Yeah. It's like, You're scaring it's like people. Uh, I mean, it was just, thankfully it was just him. Otherwise I would have been like, Hey, what are you doing? But like, I was like, you know what? It's probably for the best that I just let him get it out. Get it out of his system. Feel, and feel good about it. And then we and can hope it doesn't it. happen again. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully it never happened again. But like sometimes weird shit like that just happens, you know? Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, wild. It's, it's bizarre but you know, know uh what what kind of role is making music uh play in your life these days it's um it's something that i wish i had more time for uh, yeah i can relate yeah um and so it's something that every now and then i just have to be like you know what like, I don't know, there's probably like dishes I need to do or like something that needs to happen, but I just got to say, fuck no, I'm just going to sit in here and like at least try to work on something for a little while. Um, and uh, so I do, I, you know, I do try from time to time. You know, there was a time in the store where things were simple, like we were still a pretty small store. Um so there wasn't like a bunch of stuff everywhere that needed to get sorted. Um, you know, there, we were busy enough, but not like where there were people in all the time and stuff. And so for the first like two or three years that the store was open, I'd be able to just sit and make beats at work. You know, That's cool. like, I would just like, if I got bored, I would just dig around and listen to records and, if I heard something kind of cool, I'd sample it. Or if I didn't have anything that 
on my mind that I wanted to sample, I just start start messing around. And my friend Sadiq that, that hangs out at the shop would hear something every now and then and he'd be like, yo, this is dope. And he would start writing something to it. And sadly, those days are kind of gone at this point. There's it's a lot busy. less time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was, I wasn't doing a podcast then. So like, I didn't have like that to edit and, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't have movies to watch for that. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't digging as much. I wasn't definitely wasn't listing on eBay as much. Like that's mm-hmm. a time consuming process, especially, yeah, sure. especially when you're listing like more obscure stuff or stuff that you're hoping is going to sell for a higher dollar. Cause then you got to make sound samples. Oh man. Uh, so I didn't even know that like, was a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. I didn't either when I first opened and it wasn't until some of my, my friends that are, that are record dealers would be like, Oh man, you gotta make sound samples. And, be like, oh. and it really does make a difference. I mean, cause if somebody can hear the actual record they're going to buy, they're more likely to feel more comfortable spending more money on it and mm. be less speculative, you know? Yeah. And, and it also helps if it's something really obscure, you can, people can like, Oh, I've never heard of this. They can listen to it real quick. Yeah. See if it's like a live recording or something. Kind of like you would in a record store. If you saw a record with a crazy yeah. cover, you can go to the listing station and put it on, you know, oh, totally. Um, so all that stuff takes fucking forever. And I hate listing on eBay. I hate it. It's mm-hmm. so tedious and time consuming. And, um, so that's, you know, necessary evil. It is. Yeah. So I've definitely like busier, but, um, I, love like making music still you know mm-hmm. um i got my first like analog synthesizer this year oh, uh, what'd you get uh i got a deep mind 12 Whoa. a behringer deep mind 12 um i don't know that one but i like the name well it's funny i'm sure you know behringer is like a shit tier company for the most mm-hmm. part you know uh it's something that people it's like budget it's stuff entry level like, yeah, you would never have like a Behringer pedal on your board if you're a serious guitar player, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, in the last like two or three years, they just started randomly making like really good stuff. That's uh, cool. And the first thing that I saw from them that... Cried, I mean, no one wants to make shitty stuff. <laughs> no one wants to make shitty stuff, yeah. But they, uh, the first thing I saw from them was uh, they call it, it was like the Behringer D and it's like a clone of the model d the the moog model d and i'd seen it in the store and i was always kind of curious about it because it's pretty affordable and like i watched like a youtube thing like you know demo of it and all these like kind of serious synth heads were like this sounds really good for the price like this is crazy that's cool and then i saw a video that the guy that from jhs pedals uh-huh. uh did where he went through all of Behringer's like $25 pedals and compared them with what they were trying to copy. And there was a couple of like the analog circuits that sounded almost identical. Like, dude, it was crazy. He was playing them side by side and he was like, I can, I can barely tell the difference. (laughs) And like, I make pedals. Yeah. And so then I started kind of taking them more seriously seriously. and really looking and yeah, you know, the deep mind 12 is like a fully analog, like 12 voice synthesizer. And it's like 600 bucks. That's great, man. You know, so there has like, been a resurgence yeah. in like affordable synthesizers. Like I, I have a, a mini log right here. Hell yes. I love that was, that was going to be my first. Mm-hmm. That was the one I was really looking at. And then I saw this one and they had it at sound vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I just did like the six month, no interest thing, um, which I, I had done before to buy some like DJ lighting gear for, cause I used before COVID with supplement income doing DJ gigs. Um, <laughs> when people got together, when people got together. Yeah. I would, I would do the most random shit, man. Like I did a, a bingo night in Rockport. Oh, it was like a, uh, uh, a fundraiser for you know some some charity that did like after school like arts programs i think when you're doing uh, things like that do they like get mad at you for playing weird obscure things uh this is a really funny question because it directly ties into why i hate the eagles so much uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um sometimes sometimes they sometimes they do uh for the most part i'm like pretty good at knowing yeah know your like, audience what people are gonna tolerate Mm -hmm. um but there is this um like summer home like kind of condo subdivision in port aransas called cinnamon shores uh and it's like stupid expensive for like basically mcmansion style condos like they all look the same and you know tasteless but with money (laughs) yes um I mean, they like they have like Tesla parking spots in their parking lots, you know, uh, like Tesla only, whatever. Um, and I did a gig out there. It was, I think it was, they called it like Founders Day or something. It was like where people would come to like buy units before they were constructed or whatever i guess like you know gotcha. basically like pre-ordering fucking whatever mm-hmm. so that they had money to build them and uh i mean i'm playing like i'm not playing anything aggressive or like abrasive it's like i don't know black street you know like no diggity or like you know a kind of more hip-hoppy remix of like otis redding or something like that yeah. and i keep having these people these like middle-aged white people come up to me and they're like you know we're we're fun people we're hip (laughs) but could you play something a little more our speed like some oldies like the eagles or like jimmy buffett or whatever (laughs) and i was like what you're like this is too much for you and then i i ignored him for a while and people i mean all night people were coming up to me just being like could you do something more like i don't know how about like uh uh what was another one that they were they kept asking me for like foreigner journey or stuff like that. i actually don't really have a problem with foreigner i don't like journey but uh and i was just like what for and so i was like okay like i'll play sublime or something if that's what you want like i don't know uh you know people think that when you're out djing just because you are doing it from a laptop which i did happen to be doing at this particular event because they didn't pay me enough to take a bunch of records out there that just because i'm on a laptop i can just pull anything up on spotify or something and just have like everything at my fingertips but it's no i just like i have what's downloaded on my computer it doesn't like work like streaming does you know mm-hmm. uh and so i was like desperate i you know i personally don't think i have a lot of lame shit in my like itunes library and so i was like trying to find the lamest shit that i had <laughs> uh hoping that you know it would satisfy these people, but they were just on my ass the entire like two and a half hours I was playing. That's hilarious. And it sucked. I was furious when I left. I uh, bet, dude. That uh, sounds horrible. It was bad. I'm definitely never play out there again. But, <laughs> uh, you know, other than, 
DJ gigs for the most part are fun, you know, like most of the people that hire me know what they're going to get out of me, you know? So that's good. They wouldn't, um, they wouldn't do it if they didn't, if they didn't like, I mean, that's, that's where you want to be in any kind of art form is getting people (laughs) who hire you for your, you know, what you do specifically. Yeah. I, I, I heard you talk about that with Phil uh, Mm -hmm. about furniture making, which I, I 100% agree with. And I'm fortunate that that happened to me with DJing because DJing wasn't something that I ever like set out to do, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like douchey, you know, if you like tell people you're a DJ, like, Oh, it's fucking DJ or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I didn't ever want I mean, to identify. It's kind of like a meme of a, of it's a job. meme. Yeah, exactly. So I, I didn't want to like identify as that, but like I did something one time and somebody there was like, Oh, this is cool. Like the start you're like, you're playing fun stuff. Like, can I get you with this? And so it just be, it was kind of just like the only time I ever would get a job is if somebody saw me while I was doing another job. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't ever something I was like, here, hire me, the DJ. It was just like, you know, I would meet people places that I was working already. So it kind of just worked out nicely that way. So you don't have like light up business cards? No, not yet. <laughs> Those are expensive. I priced them out. Uh, but yeah, other, other than that one time, people were upset with me because I didn't play enough Eagles. The only other time that anything even remotely like that ever happens is like some drunk girl at a, uh, a fundraiser at the end of the night would be like, play Beyonce. And like, you know, they'd just be like yelling at me from the floor and I'll just be like, all right, all right, all right. Like, <laughs> got you. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but even that is kind of fun. Like, you know, it's like, okay, at least you're like stoked and having a good time and are like engaged with it, you know, uh-huh. uh, even though you are technically barking or yeah at me i'll like you know you know we can we can turn up as much as you want but you know i don't know i've done some like i did a debutante party once that was weird whoa that Um, sounds interesting bunch of 18 year olds getting fucked up and their parents just being like oh yeah (laughs) oh weird have fun kids yeah like a coming of age story very strange it's so, I mean, the idea of a debutante party is fucked up in the first place. Yeah. Like, here is my daughter. Someone take her, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Uh, An offering. Then, yeah, but then at least the one that I did. It like goes back to a midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one that I did at least was like extravagant, like a $100,000 party or something, you know? Sure, like, very Southern too. It was weird, man. It was it was at the country club, mm-hmm. which I know we're getting into like pretty niche corpus things. <laughs> yeah, um, but well, everyone has a every club. yeah every city. Yeah, everyone has a country club, club. Uh, but it was like the whole thing, you know. Like I've been to things there before, like oh, school yeah. dances or whatever, where it's like just like a main the main portion of it, and the rest is blocked off. But this was like every room that was available. Weird. They were like, we want it all. We want people to be able to do laps through the mm-hmm. place, you know. Like, and so it was just absolutely excessive and bizarre and uh, just a whole thing i was i was i was there i was only supposed to be playing british artists because it was like a british themed party or whatever and so the party what a plan- theme the party planner was like it was like a, a night in london or something like that uh-huh. you know and so the, the event planner was like yeah it'd be cool if you could just play like british stuff like elton john and like the beatles and like rolling stones or like whatever uh-huh. uh and so I was like i could do that and then you know as soon as like nine nine o'clock hit 
or nine thirty, one of the kids is like, play Mobamba. And I was like, okay. And so like, I was like, they asked, you know? And so I played and the first line is I got hoes and all yeah. the parents are, all the parents like what is that what are you doing and <laughs> one of the moms came up to me and they're like can you stop this and i was like, like this is what they want i was like your kids asked for it man yeah. i don't know what you want me to do like they're gonna fucking riot if i turn this <laughs> on they're like we don't even know this shit from <laughs> from that England. that was the first uh that was the first time that it occurred to me how much white people love mr brightside though oh i had never i mean like it's a good song like i like that song um but it's a good song you can only hear it so many times i 100 percent agree with that and it's very seldom that i intentionally listen to it but i put it on because somebody had requested it and it's raging like, and i was like okay like we we're going from like you know trap music uh to this song which like if that's what you want to do okay like we can do <laughs> that um not a very smooth transition, but it was not. No, but I put it on, and like fifty to seventy kids are just like bouncing up and down, like screaming every word <laughs> to the song. And I was like, "What is happening?" I was yeah. like freaking out. I had like, never seen unexpected. like I had never seen anything like that, and not that I've like done a ton of DJing or anything, but mm-hmm. I was like, "Holy shit, these kids!" fucking love this song and they're and you know like i said they're all like 18 or 19 so they weren't around when that song yeah. came out and was was popular i mean it's uh, certainly in the zeitgeist it is i was uh i was at a coffee shop today um doing an install like installing a bunch of furniture and uh they had their like pandora station on and that song came on fuck yeah it did. literally heard that on the radio today so yeah coffee shop vibes yeah yeah people people love that shit mm-hmm. it's crazy <laughs> Uh, that's cool though man uh and what about sword collector what are you like what's going on with that what are you guys doing that's your band by the way for people listening yes i am in a band called sword collector um it's been the perfect quarantine band really uh, because none of us live in the same city oh yeah so like most bands are probably having a hard or maybe not as much at this point, but at least at first we're probably having a hard time not being able to get together and practice and, you know, being able to get into a practice space. Uh, yeah. Those were all stuff, locked down. Yeah. And, and, and stuff like that. So we didn't have that problem. Like we've always been remote and uh, have always just sent stuff via email and things like that. And so, it, I mean, yeah, it was, it didn't, the lockdown didn't affect us. If anything, it gave like, certain of us more time to work you know um but it's i mean it's cool um i really like doing it i it's kyle and ryan are both like very inspiring to me um because kyle is like such a poetic dude you know and i mean he's been that way since he was like 13 (laughs) i know it's crazy he's like a very special breed of human being um but the way that he, because we experience a lot of the same things as far as like, you know, struggling with like mental health issues and, um, you know, albeit very comes in different forms for both of us, but like abuse and trauma and stuff. And the way that he's able to articulate those things Mm -hmm. in a way that is actually like kind of beautiful and, 
is like layered in so much imagery and stuff is like astounding to me. Like if I talk about it, I'm either just really sad or like pissed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I can't articulate myself in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so whenever Kyle does like, you know, he writes all the lyrics and everything cause he's the one singing them. And so the three of us will be working on like a composition for a certain amount of time. And then Kyle will send it back with vocals and we're just like, Whoa. Um, That's cool, man. So I, that, I agree. He is a very, you know, unique and special person. Yeah. And, uh, and so is Ryan too. Like Ryan, uh, I mean, he was in Crystal Lake with me for a while mm-hmm. and he was, he had like a very similar like energy in that band. Like it would be so interesting. Like we'd be, at, uh, he played bass and we'd be at practice and he would just be kind of like, he'd just be off like giggling in the corner, just like, you know, being funny and stuff mm-hmm. and just being like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best buck and just like trying to figure <laughs> stuff out. But then the next time he would come to practice, he would have sat with it for a while and like really thought hard about it and would play everything perfectly, have come up with some crazy baseline, had would have some idea for a bridge or something and just like totally like take the thing that we were working on to another level and he does that with sword collector as well um a little bit more through just like being good at production Mm. he uh he's just a guy that is like he doesn't he doesn't boggle he doesn't bog himself down too much in like what he's supposed to do or like what the typical process is for like producing a song he literally just like hears what he wants it to sound like in his head and we'll just start throwing stuff on it until something sticks and he starts to figure out like, okay, so this is how I'm going to achieve this and then starts to hone that in. So I really do the least <laughs> out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm just there. <laughs> I, you know, I'll like, I'll program some drums and like put some like synth parts down. Uh, but at least with the last couple of things we've been working on, Kyle and Ryan have been sending me stuff that's pretty close to being done. I'll just put some like lush synth pads behind it mm-hmm. and like fatten up some drums and stuff. Cause like at least in my background as like a producer uh, and as a like electronic musician, a come pop, uh, and so I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to make like drums sound punchy and fat and stuff like that. So I'll do some of that stuff. Um, and that's kind of like my contribution to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said earlier, it's kind of hard to find time to do this stuff. But whenever Kyle and Ryan send something to me, I hear it and I'm like, well, now I really have to find yeah, time because like you, I, there are things I want to do to this and yeah. I need to like get it in there before this song becomes too complete and I can't like alter yeah. it without messing with like the essence of what it is, you know? Yeah. And having those other people to kind of hold you accountable to yes, make sure the, that you, the accountability is very yeah. important. Man, I, I really miss like the, the aspects of being in a band, just collaborative creativity, you know, just getting in a room with people and just hashing it out and just seeing what comes out. You know, sometimes you, when you're writing a song from scratch, you just show up and you have like a faint idea of a mood that you want to create and you just 
just see what comes out. <laughs> you know, you just get in a garage or whatever and just yeah. fuck around until something happens. And I and also have like a, a hard time with like, I'll get kind of stuck on a particular part of something or mm. I'll get stuck where I think like, okay, I've reached this point of the like songwriting process or whatever. I've come too far to change anything. So now what do I do? But really you can just, you can change stuff all you want. Yeah. Uh, I'll just get kind of stuck and fixated on something. That's how I am when I'm trying to write by myself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And, and I, I always had that problem doing like my quote unquote solo stuff. Uh, But having Kyle and Ryan there, you know, I'll be like, Oh no, this is what it needs to be. And they're like, Oh, it doesn't need to be that way. Like you could add this here or we could, you know, use a different, like snare sound or mm-hmm. you know a fill could really be useful here or you know whatever yeah. um and so yeah i i mean that's probably the highlight of sword collector is probably the highlight <laughs> of my music making and like creativity or whatever that's awesome um, i really fucking want to play a show <laughs> dude uh i know i mean that just project having this conversation i'm just thinking like the days high school days playing shows back in corpus you're playing shows like crazy too yeah i mean we like played like every place. weekend <laughs> i mean yeah i mean we toured a lot but when i think about it it's just like the early days of playing these shows hometown shows and it was such a you know formative part of my life yeah and uh i mean when i think of corpus i think of like that community the community that we had around that and it was yeah. so special like that's something that doesn't exist anymore can never exist again and it's just i don't know just having this conversation makes me you know think fondly of it obviously i was uh i was almost the last drummer of aspire until y'all had a uh, reunion (laughs) show that was my claim to fame for a while (laughs) and then then y'all did that show at boozers i would have gladly handed you the torch (laughs) mostly just did it uh to bother people (laughs) oh man that was that was a good time even that like reunion show i mean that was already so long ago now that was it was a crazy long time ago yeah and that was so years after we stopped playing yeah 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 it's that i i think about that sometimes like how long like it doesn't feel like it was that long ago but it but it was yeah like Uh boozers is in a completely different place (laughs) than it was then and it's been in a completely different place for like years uh, you know? yeah <laughs> it's bizarre that's the weird part like when i think about corpus i mean i basically got out as soon as i could i moved like the day i graduated essentially well the day i graduated high school i think like the next day we left on a tour and then the day that i got back from that tour i moved to austin um, that's right I, I remember that you came back from that tour and moved to austin yeah like literally the same day i moved um that's insane but so i mean i got out as soon as possible and i mean when you're a kid you're just like i hate this place but now i'm like oh yeah it's great it's a cool little town um hey, you want to know what's funny about like i guess this was after you had moved i think it was after you moved to austin but like when the sko was the spot we played every week yeah uh there wasn't like a lot in that shopping center that little village uh-huh water street village is what it's called um 
but now like it's like hip hop kids that hang out there. Oh, weird. Yeah. It's like, like it was it's like it was always that, you know. <laughs> yeah, like for like for a while it was us, you know, little punk shits running around and uh-huh. you know, shows were like very strictly like all ages, like no drugs, like, you know, keep it as like friendly for all people as possible kind of thing. And the SKO had even moved from the original spot to like a spot in the back corner that was a little bit bigger. And then now there's like all these like hip hop kids that throw these like, or I mean, I guess it's been a while since they've done it, but um, that were, you know, they were throwing these like, these like lo-fi nights or like DJ nights there. Like uh, in the same space, or the uh, same building at least. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, those nights were kind of outside in the courtyard, mm-hmm. um, but they were in a, a similar space, or the, almost the same space at one point. It's been like divided up a little bit since we were there. Uh, like they took a big unit and made it like three small units. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, just like hip hop kids, like smoking blunts and like, you know, passing around 40s or whatever. And it's like so bizarre. Yeah. Uh, very similar ethos, but just very different aesthetic. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, you think back, you have these memories of a time and place, but you can't revisit them because the place doesn't exist anymore, you yeah, know? It but it'll, it exists in your head, but you go and it's not there. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I guess it's someone, something that everyone can relate to growing up and then trying to, you know, recreate or revisit something that just doesn't exist anymore. And even if like, I don't know, even if the place did exist in some form or fashion that even vaguely resembled the place you remember, like those people that inhabited that place are like such a big part of right what it was, you know, like I saw a picture of like me and like Jenna and Christina and Annalise and like, uh, like Stephen Pollard and like some other people like in the scale like all hard styling in like some photo or whatever you know and it's in like, like 2010 or something yeah it was, yeah, it was like a, i think it was 2011 mm-hmm. um and it's like you know what are the odds of all of those people being in the same room again you know yeah like, essentially zero essentially zero mm-hmm. i would say zero <laughs> i would feel confident in that uh but yeah it's it's crazy yeah to think about yeah it's bizarre um do you like do you plan on staying there yeah i mean kylie has a good job here that she enjoys and it is like in the field that she was like always hoping to go into um and so thankfully i'm not the only one keeping us here (laughs) yeah otherwise i'd feel probably a little guilty about that um but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, to go back to like the beginning of all of this, like whenever I opened the shop, a lot of people, especially people that had moved away, um, asked me why I was like, they're like, why are you doing that in Corpus? Like I figured you would like leave and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, why not open it somewhere like Austin or like San Antonio or like Houston? And I just, cause I don't, the, the answer always was like, I don't know like those communities. Like I don't know the people that make up those communities or like what they want or like what it, you know, 
I don't know what isn't being done by a record store in those places that could be done or like whatever, you know, what is the need that needs to be met? And, um, and so I feel like if there's a place where I'm ever going to have like any kind of positive impact, it's probably here just cause I like, this is my home. This is like, I know this place so well. Mm-hmm. And if I went somewhere else and tried to do anything remotely similar, I would just be like guessing, you know, yeah. and like feel kind of almost like a fraud. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Like a gentrifier, you know, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one who forgot to plug in my computer. Yeah, I was gonna say I also have to play. <laughs> it's it's gonna become a theme. So it's not the first time I've had to do it. <laughs> I was at a hundred percent when we started, and so I was like, "Oh, I'm probably good." Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I know what you I mean. Don't know. I just it's like you. You don't want to be a stranger and start this thing, and you know, maybe you pick the wrong neighborhood, or you just don't yeah, know for what real. you're doing, and like. Yeah, like, there's, there's so many factors that go into running a business that like you don't yeah. want to start from zero. And like, who the who the fuck do I think I am to like right. go into some place that I'm not already a part of and be like, uh-huh. I know what you guys need here, you know? Like, yeah. fuck me if I was to do that, <laughs> you know? Like, if I, you know, and I, especially because I have been, you know, somewhat critical of people that have done that in Corpus, you know? Like, there mm. are some places that not even places that I don't like or anything like that, like places that I frequent and like I'm a patron of the business, but you know, at some point you realize like, Oh, these people are from California and they just saw that like um, whatever field they're in has a relatively untapped market here and they could come in and like be big shit, like super quickly with minimal effort, you know? Uh Um, And like, you know, again, it's not that I like don't go to those places or even not like I'm, you know, I'm like friendly with a lot of those people. But at the same time, like, you know where they're coming from. They're not beyond like reproach or anything. I'd be like, I I don't know. I like them, but also like, this is kind of sus, you know? Yeah. Um, So I definitely like wouldn't want to be that person. And I mean, just be mis like misinterpreted as that person. Yeah. And so much of like, I mean, I don't know at the, at the, the place we're at, like in society with like the internet and like how accessible literally everything is like Mm -hmm. there isn't, you're never going to set yourself apart by being a business that comes in and like, Oh, like my business has double the square footage of every existing business. And we have four times the inventory that makes us better. Right. Like that can only take you so far at a certain point, people will start to pick up hints of like lack of authenticity or like, you know, opportunism or like, you know, whatever, and kind of start to sniff you out a little bit. And so, I mean, if you're really going to set yourself apart, you have to be like, you have to be about what you're about in in a genuine and authentic way. So that even if somebody does like maybe, think something about you that isn't true or whatever, like you at least know and your core clientele knows like, yeah. nah, that's, those people are tripping. Like that's not what, you know, that's not what this is. When I um, think about like 
<clears throat> what you were talking about earlier with like kind of the next generation of, you know, creatives and stuff. It, I, I think what I see in them is a real respect and understanding for authenticity. And that's like something that I really, really hope becomes more important for people is, yeah. you know, understanding authenticity and, you know, uh, like desiring something like that. I mean, especially where I am in my career, like, you know, I, I kind of relate to what you were saying about, you know, moving somewhere and being like, who the fuck am I? Because I mean, I'm doing something that I have no background in. I like, I'm not schooled in design. I mean, a little bit, but not really. Yeah. And like, I don't have a history of like, you know, makers in my family. And, you know, I don't come from some like interior design background. I'm just like a dude who got you know bizarrely interested in furniture design and yeah but it's like you all encompassing but yeah yeah. but you are bizarrely interested in it so that's the thing yeah it's like (laughs) it's like you didn't just one day realize like i can make things with my hands fairly easily i might as well just do it because it's easy for me it's like something that you are genuinely interested in and people that like see your work can tell like okay there's a lot of thought put into how this is constructed and designed and so like that's the difference you know is like if somebody like if if i like hadn't my record store and did what i did now and someone came over to my house and i don't even have a turntable in my home (laughs) you know people would be like wait what like Uh (laughs) you know that kind of thing Um, yeah it's the same as if you came to my apartment it was just all ikea stuff (laughs) yeah Uh which like you know whatever yeah not gonna knock ikea it's affordable but you know me neither honestly uh, i love ikea but like I have to, you know, I have to, you know, if I, if I could make, what I preach. If, if, if I could make better record shelves than the ones I bought from Ikea, I 100% would instead of buying Ikea furniture, but I'm yeah. not very good at making things with my hands. And also, you know, economy of scale, they can sell it for like 25 bucks. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like I made yeah. it, I would charge you like 400. So yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, and you're definitely right about, the younger generation being able to sniff people out easier. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I, it's got to be something with the internet. Like, it's it's got to be, yeah. yeah. Uh, but n- nothing has ever made that more evident than my Yelp reviews for the shop. Because <laughs> yeah. like, with the exception of one where some guy's just being a prick, but uh, there's a lot of people, the majority of the negative reviews I have are people being upset that I didn't like fawn over them when they walked in the door Mm. and they're mostly older people. You know what I mean? Like it's mostly like he didn't say anything to me or like whatever. And Uh it's just like, yeah. Cause like if you're in my store, you're probably about your business and you know what you're looking for. And if you need something, you'll ask me, you know what I mean? Like, but an older generation wants, when they go into a store, they want people to be like, do you need anything? Are you Uh okay? Like, can I help? Like whatever. And like just that. And then our generation hates that shit. I hate it. I hate it. You know, (laughs) and that's why I don't do it to people. You know, they want that skeezy salesman shit where they're like trying to like, you know, flirt you up and be like, Oh, you look like a person of taste. Like I can tell by, you know, whatever, how great you look today, (laughs) man. And like, you know, bullshit like that. And like, why would I ever do that? Like, I don't like, you know, uh, but 
you're never going to see a review from a 19 year old on my Yelp page. It's like, he didn't say hi to me when I walked in there, you know, cause they yeah. probably don't want to say hi to me either. Like who the fuck <laughs> am I? Like, you know, I'm just some stranger that's sitting behind the counter at a store they walked into, you know, uh-huh. but you know, so yeah, I, I, it's I've 100% like a generational thing, you know, and again, you're probably right about the internet. You know, there's the internet has really, I think helped people, understand because i mean what what is a more obvious artifice than the way that people present themselves on the internet versus like how they are in real life like before it was like how you were out in public versus at home that's a little bit harder to kind of tell unless you're like around people at home a lot but Mm -hmm. you see someone on the internet that's like one way and then you see them out in person and they're a totally different way like instantly you know yeah. Like, oh, okay, something's going on here, you know? And, and like, to a certain extent, it's kind of leveled the playing field. Like, you can have a web presence just like Walmart can have a web presence. Like, yeah. It's, uh, it, they've been more trained to understand authenticity via the internet in a way that, like, you know, you think, uh, you think of like a boomer getting a, you know, Nigerian prince email yeah scam. and it's like well they didn't you know, realize it was a scam but like yeah. when you're a young kid you you know like what's real what's fake on the internet a, actually a really good example of this is like the wendy's twitter account yeah and like stuff like that like, <laughs> i like I, I remember the girl who i mentioned earlier who started a literary magazine mm-hmm. uh her and like her best friend were in the shop one day i had no idea who they were i like never really met them at this point i think i kind of recognized the guy um, Justin, who's a friend of mine now, but I'd never really spoken to them or anything. And they were, uh, it was just me and them, you know, in the shop and they were talking and, uh, one of them said something about like corporate Twitter accounts. And, um, at the time I thought the moon pies Twitter account was really funny because it was always like, uh, moon pies are a great blah, 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 Karen, why did, or, you know, so-and-so, why did you leave me? Please come home. I'm so sad. It was like this really kind of depressing, like, yeah. uh, why did my wife leave me like uh, Twitter account for a while, which was funny hilarious. to me. And then it kind of shifted to being like something cheesy and terrible. Not that that wasn't cheesy, but, uh, and it, I don't know, somehow they said something and I was like, I like the moon pies Twitter account. They're like, it's so terrible. And like, they're like, it's just like Wendy's and like all these other stupid, mm. whatever. And even they're though we're all knowledgeable. Yes, exactly. Even uh-huh. though we're only like, I don't know, maybe four years apart, maybe five. Uh, they are still like, they were still so much more equipped to sniff that bullshit out than I was, you know, in, in for tune a, with that culture. Yeah. For a second, it kind of had me fooled. I was like, Oh, this corporate Twitter account is funny. I like this. And now I'm like, wait, yeah. no, fuck you. Uh-huh. Uh, like, oh, you're just stealing jokes. <laughs> weird late stage capitalism corporation. Yeah. Corporations are people bullshit, you know, like, uh-huh. uh, and you know, I had the internet most of my life and I was still kind of suckered by it for a second, but yeah, there was never any hesitation for them. They were like, fuck this. This is stupid. Yeah. Um, what was I just thinking? Uh, I mean, it's kind of like meme pages. Like there are meme pages who repost and then there are people who, who create memes. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's like the most relatable form of, uh, of content going out on the internet. Oh, but what I was going to say is, uh, this, this kind of ties together several things that we talked about, but I feel like Gen Z bands are doing something that I always kind of 
had a bad taste about. But most of the popular Gen Z like indie bands that are uh, coming out, they do a lot of genre bending. Like they'll have like a pop song, then they'll have like a R&B song, and then they'll have like a rock song. And I always thought that that was like weird and like you were just kind of pandering. But I feel like it's really common in these like new Gen Z bands and it doesn't feel disingenuous. It's just like, Oh, I like this. I like this too. And it's like, I feel like they're more okay with it in a way that it doesn't feel disingenuous. Whereas like if a band like 15 years ago was doing that, it'd be like, Oh, they're just trying to get like on several radio stations or something. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know why that is, but it's, it's made me come around to like not think of it as distasteful in a way that is surprising. Like, That's interesting. What's an example of one of these bands? I'll have to think of one. Um, I mean, what comes to mind is Claro. Okay. You listen to Claro? Yeah. Like she has some stuff that's like sad music and then she has like pop songs and then she has yeah. like kind of R&B stuff. Yeah, she goes from like bedroom pop to R and B and like yeah. a couple tracks. Yeah, uh-huh. and maybe that's, that's not a great example because that's not really like a full band kind of thing. But oh, it's a pretty good example though. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that as like a recurring thing in that uh, that you know age range of musicians. Yeah, and I don't know if it's maybe because it's like music nowadays is so singles based, like on Spotify. Like, yeah, like oh, we need to make this song to get on this playlist or whatever. Um, yeah yeah (laughs) that's that's the only thing now oh yeah we sword collector struggles with that really because you know we the songs that are on our ep that came out a couple months back have been done for like a while and we haven't really started launching into new i mean we've been toying around with some new stuff but we don't have anything that's shaping up to be another proper release Mm -hmm. but you know we talk all the time about like do we need to put something out soon just so people like don't forget, you know, kind of thing. And we're definitely in that, that time. And part of it has, part of that has manifested itself as things becoming more singles based that you just have to be releasing stuff like a lot, you know, you can't take, yeah, you can't take two years. But that's what rappers do, right? Yeah. A song like every month. Yeah. Like all the time. And uh, it's 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 stressful to think that you know if you forget to release something for six months, then people could just totally forget by the time yeah. you, really, you do release something. Uh-huh. And Who are you? Yeah, and you just like totally lost your momentum. But you know, I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. It also puts records in a weird place. It's like people used to have these like opus records that they worked on for ten years, and now it's yeah. just like, oh, this is a collection of singles that I released in this like two-year period yeah it's super weird Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't know that is one of the things that still keeps like certain punk bands and you know and also like some heavy bands uh interesting and like close to me is because like i like a complete work front to back that's like 10 tracks that all were meant to be yeah together in one place in this particular order you know yeah me too Uh, and that's that's how i've always listened to music is yeah front to back yeah Um, i was i was literally just talking to my friend devin about this in the store earlier today because i uh i got my 
I use Tidal, not Spotify, so I don't get the really cool year wrapped thing. I get some like just like one playlist or whatever because Tidal <laughs> blows. Um, but yeah, my 2020 thing came up, and it's like every song from Skeleton Coast by the Lawrence Arms, mm-hmm. every song by Hello Exile or <laughs> off Hello Exile from the Menzingers, every song off Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. <laughs> you know, it's just like a playlist of like you know entire albums just in weird orders yeah because when i do listen to stuff it's like i'm gonna listen to it all the way through you know yeah there same. are very few things where like you know uh i'll be like i'll be on my like 10 minute car ride home and i'm like okay i want to listen to like this joey badass song and i want to listen to this like song from the baby and by the time i'm done listening to those two songs i'll be home you know yeah that's a rare occurrence especially because yeah, normally when i'm like in the car i'm listening to podcasts not yep. music anyway exactly uh but every now and then you know i'll wake up and i'll have like a song stuck in my head and i'll be like i need to listen to that album mm-hmm. today and you know i'll do yeah. it while i'm opening the store or whatever i hope that that doesn't go away because it really is special i mean creating an entire album I mean, coming from an artist perspective, I feel like it's a certain task that is important because you're creating this like, you know, this sweeping mood of like, this is how it starts, it grows, it builds, it finishes. And uh, you just can't get that in a in a single song. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like making a movie. Like the reason the movies are a certain length is because you can get, you know, you can dig deep, you can get in the weeds and, you know, create this, you know, this environment in this this mood that only the certain events can create and it's the same with an album like you can go in different little you know little lanes and do you listen to do you listen to pup Mm, no okay Uh, oh man you should listen i think you would like them actually uh they're like a canadian punk band um but they put out an album called Morbid Stuff late last year, maybe this year. I don't remember exactly. It was one that it came like I was. I'm a, I've been a fan of them since their first record, but it was one that came out and I listened to, it and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then didn't listen to a whole lot for a second. And then I don't know, something happened. I was mowing the yard one day, and I was like, oh, I want to put this record on, and. I was just like, wait a second. There's like just a your lot. favorite record. <laughs> yeah. I would like, I would like exclusively mowed the yard to it for like four months. Uh, but that's your music I, listening time. Uh, it was for that album at least. And then, and then finally I was like, Oh wait, I fucking love this record. And I would listen to it in other contexts as well. But I mean, the album is called morbid stuff. And if you had one song called morbid stuff, you could, I don't know, pack a bunch of dark shit into it. Mm-hmm. But the entire record like explores so many different avenues of that theme and it goes from like pretty fucking dark and like super sad to like, I don't know, maybe some like, it gets a little light and playful at times. And it mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's like you were talking about with movies. It's basically what a whole album that is kind of meditating on the same theme can do is basically like what, two hours of character development can do, you know, like you can really figure out who that person is and like what it means that they're going through all of these things or what it is that they're trying to say about a certain subject that Mm -hmm. you can't, yeah, you can't do in a song in a single song, you know, at least not with the same depth and nuance and, you know, 
Yeah. And I think that you can do in a record. I think um, maybe the reason that it's so important to us is kind of the difference in music listening styles. Like some people listen passively and then some people examine it. Yeah. And I think when you're really examining is when you can appreciate a record more. Yeah. Because you, you know, you understand the themes and uh, the repeating themes and, you know, the variance and, you know, subtlety. And uh, most people just like listen to the radio and don't think about the words or anything. So it's, it's so interesting you say that because I remember when I was first like really starting to get into music in a serious way and like had records and I was like, I love this entire record. Like I love this band, whatever. You know, I try to talk to my dad about stuff. Yeah. Uh, And show someone and they're just like, Oh, cool. Yeah. And I would be like, wait, did you hear what he said? Like, you hear what they're talking about or whatever? Oh God. I hate that feeling. And And like, this is so important and and beautiful. And they're just like, cool. Yeah. And I, and I, I I remember having a conversation with my dad once. He was like, I don't know. I don't really listen to the words that much. And I was like, (laughs) you're one of those talking about like, how do you not like, and I, like, and I guess, you know, it occurred to me at that point in time that there are people that like, are just listening to the melody and like yeah. might, might even be singing along without consciously thinking about yeah. what is being said. You know, I mean, you it's know what the like, worst feeling is, is when you're in the car and you're playing a song that's like super beautiful and important, the lyrics and someone just like steps on the best part. It was just like, Oh, did you mm-hmm. see that thing yesterday? And you're just like, you yeah. just fucked up the entire song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I, it's a terrible feeling. You're like I'm, when I'm that like tearing up listening to this, like <laughs> not even paying attention. And you want to talk to me about like yeah last like, night's episode of the Bachelorette TikTok? Yeah, take some TikTok <laughs> viral video. Yeah, I, I and I think you know I think another thing that I really to go back to Story Collector a little bit is uh, because I've always been so focused on like lyrical content Mm -hmm. and like really good lyricists it has occurred to me in the last like i don't know three years or so that i'm not a great lyricist (laughs) and like i don't i I thought you were going there i don't have a lot to say you know like yeah and anything that i do have to say is ultimately like not super important like my life has not been that hard you know what i mean and like I walk through the world with relative ease. Yeah. Uh, and you know, what's hard to accept is when you realize like the things that I have to say have already been said much better. Exactly. And that too. And that's why I love having Kyle is (laughs) because Kyle is able to say things in a way that hasn't been said over and over again and articulate things Mm -hmm. in a way that I think is worth people hearing and so it allows me to still make music that i want to sing along to without having to force myself to feel like i have something to say and to force like people to hear what i like as if anything i have to say is important enough that i should tell people like hey listen to this you know what i mean but it's a hard thing that i struggle with as a designer like all the good shit already happened like between the 30s and the 70s like every that is prime time every different avenue has been explored like every new material has already been found every different style like they already went through all the different periods like 
it all happened already. And now I just yeah. have to like, I have to find what it is that makes my things unique in particular. And like, that really only comes with, I mean, to circle back, like authenticity, like, what am I interested in? What is it that only I'm thinking of? And like, how do I make people aware of it and appreciate it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think, I think, um, and maybe you can relate to this in, you know, design and craftsmanship, but I, there have been a, uh, there have been several times where I've been listening to a song and I'm like, I love this instrumental. Like, I love like what they're doing with this, that, or the other. And I'll be like, I'm going to make something that sounds like this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start lit- And I will like, sometimes there, there have been a couple of times at least where I've literally gone into making a beat where I'm trying to get as close. Like you're trying to essentially copy it. Yes. But I can't like, right. I, per- I am not technically proficient enough to do that. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and so. And that's also when I- you, you appreciate like, Oh, this is a lot deeper than I thought it was. Yeah. But, but whatever I do, like, it's not that it's like sloppily produced or sounds horrible or like whatever, but because it's been filtered through me and like Mm -hmm. what I, what I personally am good at and like the things that I I lean towards, like the sounds, like whether it's like, yeah, whether it's like synth patches or like drum samples or like whatever that I tend to gravitate towards, it sounds like totally different, you know? And unique Um, to you. Yeah. And so like, I think that even, even though like I wasn't nothing, I like, I didn't make something like crazy original or that hadn't been done or something that is going to push like instrumental hip hop music forward or anything like that. I still made something that's kind of vibey, you know? And I mean, I think, I would also imagine at least that in like furniture making too, as long as you're vibing, like, you know, as long as the vibes are posy, (laughs) you've like done something good, you know? Yeah. And Uh, there, there is like a certain point when you reach the, like, even if things don't have very particular like motifs, if you can look at it and say like, Oh, I know who made that, you know, yeah, whatever that thing is, just like a sense of proportionality and like use of materials. If you can reach that, it's like, Oh, you, you created like a lane, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's, that's something that I hope to achieve. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I think even if like, I mean, it's like music, you can hear some bands like first chord, you know who it is. Yeah. And for whatever reason, or like guitarists, like you put on like 10 seconds of a Jimi Hendrix song. You're like, Oh, it's Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know? And I think, I think even as long as like people like respond well and like what you're doing, like that's already like a huge accomplishment, you know, Uh, like one person shows interest in a piece of furniture you made like, Oh shit, I made this thing. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, it's like, is um, even considering owning it, you know, like putting it in their house and they're going to look at this shit every day. I know know? it's a very personal thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh huh. It is funny to think like, Oh, I had this like on my workbench a couple weeks ago and now it's like someone's sitting on it. (laughs) Yeah. Or Uh, someone like, you know, set their coffee mug on it this morning and they're gonna, you know? Yeah. And it's like music, like, oh, I had this on my laptop and now someone is listening to it in their AirPods at work. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. 
And yeah, it's just like, like this fucking podcast. It's so weird to me still when people are like, oh, I listened to that episode. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> uh, a friend of mine um, who's like a, a photographer, filmmaker guy here, he, he, he helped us uh, on the last Sword Collector video, Inherit the Scepter. He sent me his Spotify wrapped. Uh, and my podcast, Beer in a Movie, was like his top podcast that he listened to. That's so cool. Um, which is, yeah, it's fucking crazy. And I mean, I don't think he listens to like a ton of podcasts. Um, uh-huh. But when he thinks of podcasts, he thinks of yours first. Yeah. And like I, I saw, you know, he sent it to me and I was like, oh, that's fucking sick. And he was like, yeah, I don't get a chance to listen to it as much as I would like. But, you know, whenever I do, like I really enjoy y'all's discussions. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. Like, honestly, I have a slightly difficult time with it because sometimes – going into recording an episode i'll be like does anyone give a fuck what i have to yeah. say i mean i was about... literally thinking about that on the way here <laughs> <laughs> i mean it it's it's you know it's something that you know we've i'm sure the two of us at least have been grappling with for the last decade you know yeah, whether it's like absolutely. whether it's the the bands we've been in or like whatever uh, any you know, creative pursuit i mean you're just like, you go into it you're totally blind yeah anyone gonna care about this do i care if anyone cares about this yeah is this important to me why am i doing this there's so many questions you have to ask yourself there is and again another when i was listening to you and phil talk i like was dying to like be in the room and like jump in the conversation Mm. um first of all, I love Phil and I haven't like seen that dude in forever uh, (laughs) or talked to him in a long time. Really. Uh, I always like dream that one day sword collector will be able to do a record with him. Yeah. Um, He's great. Yeah. But you know, he was talking about, um, you know, uh, when you're working on a piece of music or like a record or song or whatever, you have to think like, well, I'm making this hoping that somebody wants to yeah. listen to it you have to at least i think he says something like you at least have to look at it as like 30 percent a product you know uh-huh. even if it's like the whole thing isn't thought of as a product like 30 percent of it, you gotta be like oh, okay so i'm gonna have to sell this at some point you know right and to a certain degree i do i do agree with him on some level but i also there are a lot of artists that i like that are just like i'm just gonna do this mm-hmm somebody if people like it that's cool like they're not concerned with alienating an audience (laughs) and because Uh of that at least for someone like me who listens to music eight hours a day six days a week i've heard the same like blues riffs over and over again you know i've heard the same like hip-hop drums over and over again when i hear something fucked up totally out of left field i'm like oh shit you know yeah which is why like (laughs) a lot of like sometimes it's hard for me to buy records like that because I don't realize how like weird something I'm listening to sounds uh-huh. to uh, like someone like my wife who like, you know, <laughs> listens to a lot of Claro and like stuff like that. And then, you know, she hears like, I'll put on a sun record or something uh-huh. and it's like drone, like crazy yeah. heavy fucking guitars, just, just like, like ringing what? the same note for what is like, this why like, do you like this? Like slow-mo computer melting. sound. Yeah. And, but yeah. So I, I at least, you know, as a listener enjoy. I, I think it's coming 
uh, coming at it from an artist because you understand, yeah. like, oh, yeah. they're taking a huge risk here and they're doing exactly what they want to do. And then, yeah, I mean, so even, I, pre- I appreciate aside from that. like liking the music, you appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I watched a, a What's in My Bag today. You ever watch those videos on from, YouTube? Uh, from Amoeba. From Amoeba, yeah. Yeah. I watched one with John, De- John Diar- Darnell. Darnell uh from the mountain goats. goats yeah yeah uh i was having a hard time with his last name for some reason um but there there was one he was just showing a bunch of cds that he had like next to his like cd player in his house or whatever and mm-hmm. there was one i think his name steve roach or something like that and this particular album he showed was a it was a three song album but it was a three cd set Every song what? was like an hour long Holy shit. and he's like, yeah, he's like, he, he describes him as very patient. <laughs> like the artist <laughs> is very patient. That's I was great. Like, I was like, this is crazy that this guy made <laughs> and, and he, the like room where he has all his like synthesizers and stuff like set up where he makes his music is called like the time chamber or something like that. Awesome. Has some like crazy name and like shit like that is wild. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even if, even if it's hard for me to sit down and listen to one kind of droney synthesizer com- composition for an hour, I can still be like, fuck, man, you did that shit. You yeah. know, like and you, you went it for it. To and, its fullest extent. Yeah, you took it <laughs> to its I don't need, I don't even know if I can say logical conclusion. Yeah, illogical you, took conclusion. It, you took it as far as you could take it, and I respect the shit out of that. It's post logical. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I like that with filmmaking too, when people are just over the top. Or like, yeah. yeah I, I, last time I saw you, I think we had a brief conversation about 2001 Space Odyssey because I yeah. saw that you had your a tattoo. Yeah, I had like just gotten that not that long before that. Uh, and that's like a movie where you think about it's just like, very odd and people so don't, really, odd. don't really get it. Yeah. But it's I, I'm so not sure incredible. I get it. You know, like, yeah. Truthfully, I've seen it a bunch of times, and I love it. And I'm—it's uh-huh. my favorite movie. Also, not sure I understand it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, but that's what's great about it. It's yeah, it's like, crazy. You know. Uh, w- what do you think about this this whole monolith thing? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's gonna oh. be something shitty, right? Like, it's gonna let us down in the end. It's gonna be like some oh. weird. I mean, it was. Play. It was just. I don't even think there's anything to it. It was just like an art installation, but okay. it was already taken down. And people like people in the outdoors community fucking hate it. They're really? like, "Why are you bringing tourists into our like beautiful?" Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, when I saw that, I saw a post like on Instagram about it. I don't even remember who posted it. I don't think I followed them, but uh, I saw it on Explore or something that yeah. I had been kind of keeping tabs on it. Like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, but they like. It was, the guy who posted it was part of the group of people who took it down and like all the comments mm. were like yeah fuck them they're bringing people into our mountains and shit but yeah yeah i mean it was cool when i first saw it i was like oh wow someone did a monolith and it was interesting that even the location kind of looks similar to the location from the movie yeah um, yeah for for real yeah but i don't know it, it's it's cool that people are still like appreciating that movie you know yeah It'll be a sad day when people like write it off, and I don't think it'll ever happen. But I don't either. I mean, I think it's more likely it'll just be forgotten. Uh, But I mean, when you talk to like movie files, everyone still loves it, so that's something. I mean, I saw it in IMAX once. Yeah, I saw it in uh, thirty-five once. 
Oh fuck, man. That was cool. That's a, that's another, <laughs> that's another level, but you know, I don't, for anybody who like goes to movies and like even kind of thinks about them, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's just so hard to look at that and not think about the time it was made yeah. and like how 68, I think. Yeah. And how well the special effects holds up. Incredible. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Like, watching it i was like holy shit man like what how did I, like this i happen? wish i wish so badly that i could go back to that era and watch it yeah like like before, look at all these bewildered people around yeah, you it was before sci-fi movies like yeah it's all, before the moon landing it yeah, makes it, it makes the moon landing conspiracy stuff like kind yeah. of believable like i can understand why <laughs> it was people like the same that. year you know <laughs> yeah I can, I can understand why people would have believed that stanley kubrick shot how could the you moon not landing because 2001 was, looks better than the moon like so much it better than the moon so much more real <laughs> yeah and it's like right after yeah it's, and like nothing like that had ever happened before so yeah. it's just like what are the odds that both of these things are occurring yeah, like planet of the apes before that that was like the best yeah thing and it's gotten and it looks horrible <laughs> yeah it's terrible uh, yeah um i fucking love that movie man i mean the filmmaking itself the story which you know can be interpreted in many ways yeah. but you know the themes in it it's so human yeah um, it's like the story of life on earth essentially which how can you do that in one movie yeah. and then like a universe the mystery of the universe wrapped into a movie which is crazy you um, know i think like you had mentioned awesome. earlier that mr brightside had like entered the zeitgeist you know yeah. it's like part of the zeitgeist. i i think i think that will be what saves uh 2001 the references in, for audiences is like yeah just uh-huh. like how being a thing you know yeah. um stuff like that where you know like there was an episode of community that like heavily references and even mm-hmm. like puts like jeff winger in like the like bedroom from 2001 and stuff and that wasn't oh, cool. even that like wasn't even that long ago so there's like a whole generation of people that like love community because it's like goofy yeah. and like zany or whatever and um, it's the guy from rick and morty that did it and they're gonna get that 2001 reference fed to yeah. them and then at least i have some understanding of it you know so there's so many major tv shows who have like an episode that's based around 2001 yeah it's awesome so it's yeah it's like that kind of stuff that'll keep it yeah relevant to people when i saw it in when i saw it in 35 it was at alamo uh alamo draft house and beforehand yeah beforehand they did a whole montage of like references throughout the years and it was um, was whoever put that together yeah Yeah. god bless whoever put that together that (laughs) had to have been so much work yeah i mean they're all over the place from commercials to movies to yeah god Um, i can't imagine yeah i mean that movie is just it's next level man yeah Uh, even like the beginning scene with the monkeys and i mean it's it's a weird thing to show somebody who doesn't i mean it goes back to like people who passively listen and and then intensely listen it's the same with movies like if you're not into examining a movie you do not want to watch that movie well yeah especially because like you know if you're showing somebody that's not like that interested in like intently watching a movie you're gonna mm-hmm. be like hey watch this space movie yeah and then the first like 10 minutes is just a bunch of monkeys yeah 
you know nope. they're gonna be so confused like what the fuck is going i thought yeah. this was like about space patience yeah what are these monkeys <laughs> doing here you know yeah uh, it's i mean i the first time i saw it i was like what what is am, am i watching the right movie <laughs> yeah i was confused for a second i think i remember having that thought too yeah <laughs> and then you hear the like you know music come in and you're like uh-huh ah, okay yeah something's gonna happen here yeah but it's you know, so epic um yeah it is I mean, nothing like that will ever be made again. Who's going to give somebody that amount of money to make something like that again? You know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a a great interview with Frank Zappa where he talks about that, at least in relation to the music industry of like there being an era of record executives that didn't really know what was cool or didn't at least Mm. think that they knew what was cool. And so if somebody could, had a good idea or could do something cheap enough. They'd be like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. It's like low risk enough. And so you got all these crazy records wow. out of people in like the sixties. Cause yeah, you know, taking chances. Yeah. They were like, all right, if it's cheap enough, sure. If it's, you know, cost effective, but now, you know, these people that sit in these offices, like we know what the kids want. Yeah. You know, we're only going to put a ton of money into a s- small amount of things. Yeah. And so then, yeah, everything gets homogenized rather than putting a little bit of money into a lot of things. Hmm. Yeah. It makes but, sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it does. It's crazy to think about that. Yeah. Uh, what I don't know if there's of, anything we didn't cover that you might get into. I, mean, I feel like we kind of ran the gauntlet. It's topics. We're getting there, dude. Uh, <laughs> did, did you watch Dark on Netflix? No. Uh, this has been coming up a lot in my life lately, actually. Um, you got you to watch it. I know. Well, so what happened was, is like we started watching it and it was dubbed yeah don't In watch Eng- that one. Oh fuck no it, it was, was terrible <laughs> yeah. uh but i but this was before i knew about the language settings yeah like i i didn't know that was a thing you could change intentionally that, I that's when i found out about that as well uh and so we stopped watching because we were like man fuck this dub shit like this is terrible like i oh, no, it's horrible it looks this looks interesting like so far it's like shows promise but i just can't do it and it wasn't uh-huh. until like months later that somebody was like you know you can change that right and we were like oh fuck yeah change it to german with subtitles yeah and, and then just... w- watch the shit out of it because that's i mean that's it's up there dude yeah I've, I've only heard great things about it yeah if you're into that like you know intense kind of you know mysterious sci-fi shit i mean dark is it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Right on. It's so sick. Yeah, I think it's I think it's time we circled back around and tried to try to get into it again. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so cool, dude. You got to see it. Uh what are some bands that you think sh- people should be listening to right now as we round up here? Um I have over the last 2 days have listened to almost nothing but violent Soho. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. Uh, also adding these to a list. They, they're an Australian band. Um, they're just like the guy that the singer kind of sounds like Billy Corgan a little bit, but mm. not, but like punk, I guess. And like, it's funny when you see like their music videos because the guy who sings and like he plays guitar, he's like 
just kind of like a normal looking punk guy, you know, he's like a white Australian dude, short hair, you know, whatever. But then everybody else in his band has hair like down to here. And they're, they, they look like they're like in a, like a metal band where they're going to twirl their hair and stuff. And they're oh. at least on like the first record, they're playing like explorers and like metal guitars and stuff. But like, Weird. they're like, uh, you know, they're kind of in like the melodic punk vein of like, uh, I don't know, like Menzingers, but like, mm more upbeat hmm. uh cool at least um like the menzingers can get pretty fucking sad you know mm-hmm. and violent soho lyrically can get kind of like dark and like introspective i guess but they're more kind of true punk style uh, yeah they're more like upbeat they have this like really great pop sensibility to them where their choruses are like really catchy and all of it's cool. really catchy um yeah i Ryan had shared his Spotify wrapped with Kyle and I and violent Soho was like number two or three on his list. And I was like, fuck man, I haven't listened to them in a while and I have all their records. And so I just went and grabbed them off my shelf and I took them to work with me. And the last two days I've just been running those three records back. Um, That's awesome. Like I, I don't know. I just can't get enough of them right now. Um, I've been on a big PJ Harvey kick too, but I oh, feel that's like cool. I feel like that's when I don't really have to like tell people about people know. <laughs> you don't you don't have to convince anybody. I don't have to convince anybody about that. Or John Prine, that's another one. Oh uh, yeah, that I've been this that whole was, year. That was a sad one this year, dude. Fucking I, you know, celebrity deaths don't often hit me in a real way, like or in a really like deep way but I cried when John Prine died, like legit, like was sobbing into a glass of whiskey, like, uh, (laughs) as he would have wanted. Yeah. I, uh, you know, that, that night, uh, we just like watched his tiny desk concert and like watched a bunch of his videos. And then the next day I went out, bottle, bought a bottle of vodka and a thing of ginger ale. And it was just like (laughs) vodka and ginger ale for like a week. Um, uh, who else? I mean, I think the new Dua Lipa record is the best record that came out this year. I mean, it's so fucking good. But she's I, a, she's a hit maker. I have a really soft. I have a spot. I have a soft spot for disco and like boogie kind of funk stuff. And there's a lot of like the good. All of the good elements of disco are present on that record. She, um, she's one of the only like pop stars who I think is actually really good right now. Yeah, love her. Uh, oh man, who else? Um, the new one Oh tricks point never record is really good too. Um, what was that you said? It's a, it's a, it's a mouthful. Uh, one Oh tricks point never. It'd probably be easier to Google Daniel Lopatin uh, is the guy's name. He did the music for uncut gems. Oh, uh, and he did the music for the Safdie brothers movie before that good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has this like kind of glitchy, like, uh, electronic um i don't know depending on which record you go to for him they often have kind of different vibes cool uh that one's really good um who else i don't know man there's uh there's a lot of uh oh um i don't it's hard to tell if it's the name of the band or just the name of the album, but the name of the album for sure is called dinner party. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a uh he's like a singer record producer named Tara, Terrace Martin and then Robert Glasper who's a keyboardist uh Kamasi Washington who plays saxophone and Ninth Wonder who's a hip hop producer hmm. um they just they have it's like an eight track like EP I guess they technically call it but it could go either way um that record is really good up there on my list for sure for the end of the year nice that's a that's a project I'm about to have to tackle is my year end list oh you doing one of those I try to do them every year uh it's like a I feel like it's a good thing to at least post like from the store's account you know, mm-hmm. if I post it on my personal page, people will probably be like, shut the fuck up. Like nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least but it's if related. I, yeah. Yeah. If I, it's good content for the story, you know? Um, yeah. So it's something other than me holding a record, you know? Yeah. Um, and it gives people some ideas of what, what you can find. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, cool. I've, I've got a good list of people to check out here. Yeah. Starting that, with Doug Som. Doug Som. That's yeah. the man. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's uh that's all that's all stuff i've been really i've been really digging lately that's um, cool i've been obsessed with faye webster that's i'm not like, familiar i'll have to check it out she's cool i've 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 seen that name on a couple of those spotify reps yeah uh, I'll, I'll send you an album to check out okay cool man well uh thanks for doing this this was a good time yeah it was fun uh, yeah i feel like uh i mean i saw you uh do you remember when that was that you were down here? Probably two years ago. Was it that long ago? Yeah, probably, honestly. I see. I kind of, I kind of thought that for a second in my head, but I was like, uh-huh. you know what? March feels like two years ago. I'm probably yeah. extending how long it was, but maybe uh-huh. it was. No, it was uh, probably around two years ago. I mean, yeah. I, I think it was probably. I think I went down there for Thanksgiving, and that was not the last Thanksgiving. So I oh, think it shit. was two years ago. God damn. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I believe that's how long it was. Yeah. But that, yeah. I mean, that was the last time that we really like talked at all. So that was, yeah. Uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. It was, it was good to chit chat today. For sure. Um, thanks for like asking me also. Yeah, man. It's, I, uh, I'm sure you can relate. It's like you, you start a podcast and you have certain people in mind. I mean, you guys don't have guests on, do you? sometimes okay um it's not definitely not weekly yeah uh, it, it's hard man it's like hard to get people on here it really yeah, is i would so. i mean i would imagine that it's tough i mean that's i mean i think that that's a uh something that i like about that you know mm-hmm. the three of us are pretty dedicated to getting together and recording every week yeah um, yeah but, i'm doing them weekly as well yeah, if I if if I had if if I had to come up with a guest every single week, it would be like, yeah, <laughs> it uh, it's, it became daunting far quicker than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, like, you know, I appreciate you coming on and uh, yeah, had a good time chatting with you. I talked to Kyle too, and I, I know you have reached out to him as well. Yeah, I'll uh, probably have I'm, him on soon. I'm excited to to hear that one. Uh, yeah, it, once you get. Kyle going, I have know. a hard time getting him to stop <laughs> more than anything. I mean, you could you have a really long talk with him. He's got, I'd also be very interested to hear his answers to what bands he's been listening to. <laughs> I have a vague idea, but it changes uh, so much with him. He's like, he's all over the place. 
<laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll make sure that he holds to that, and I don't have to do any talking at all. And <laughs> yeah, it's I kind of my game plan. He'll be nervous about it at the beginning, but <laughs> he'll get over it real quick. I know it. Yeah, uh, he's cool, he's, man. he's a fun guy to talk to. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, give people your social. Where can they find you? Oh shit! Yeah. Um, the shop is at hybrid records TX, like the initials for Texas. Um, my personal, uh, is at jello X shot. Uh, so it's like jello shot, but with an X instead of a space. Um, and at beer in a movie, uh, or beer in a movie podcast.com. That's probably the best place. Sweet. I think we have links to social media stuff there. Is your podcast on like Spotify and iTunes? Yeah, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, um, and then there's a link on the website to listen straight from your desktop too if you prefer that. Sweet. Um, we don't do any YouTube stuff. Uh, as I'm sure you can tell, the room I'm in is not very well lit, <laughs> uh, so nobody would want to see that video content. But um, yeah, uh, if you want to buy records, you know the store is the place for you if you want to listen to kind of shitty instrumental hip-hop music you can go to my band cam <laughs> but uh, there's some stuff on spotify and stuff as well but uh my last release i only put on Bandcamp because distro kid was giving me trouble yeah and i just don't have the patience <laughs> cool all right well everybody go support him buy some records check him out uh carlos it uh, once again was a pleasure yeah I had a, i had a great time yeah, me too, man. I hope we get in talk again soon. Yeah. Cool. Peace. <laughs>